What? Listen to this podcast right now! Hey. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey Into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophy, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophy. That sounds so awesome. The following, the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. And what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is. The best there was. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for ya! Two words! And you're some man! The champ is here! Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Wrestling. It's season four, episode four. We are not the four horsemen, it's just two of us today. I am Nate. <laughs> Joining me as always, King Co-host. Welcome back, King Buckles. King Buckles, already a better king of the ring than Corbin. Ooh, hands down, it sounds better. King Buckles, it just rolls off the tongue. I'll take it. Hell yeah, how's it going? How's it going, man? I, I'm doing well. I'm a, We're doing a kind of a two-for episode tonight. We just did a... Uh, the short one for full gear and ready to talk about some uh, non-AEW for a little bit. Yeah, so for those of you in the timeline who are now listening to us on Wednesday, before full gear we did a predictions show, which I think we're going to kind of be doing more frequently now because I really enjoyed that. Uh, that worked out well, yeah. The prediction show is good, but it doesn't give away who wins the matches because we don't know that at the time of this recording, but by the time this episode is over, we're going to talk about who won, which is confusing, but that's just how we do it. <laughs> We're just all over the time stream here. Yeah, I really love it. It's kind of like being the Flash, except for in podcast land. Uh, any- I was just thinking of a. Uh, I was thinking Deadpool with the uh, cable time slider. Oh yes, absolutely! Fucking going back and erasing his own existence all the way across the board, <laughs> uh, not letting him get even the Green Lantern uh, or uh, any of the things that he did previously. Anyways. That's a total tangent for a different show, different time, different day. Lots of wrestling, dude. Tons. Very, very, very much. I don't even know I don't even know where to begin. Like, do we do you have somebody to watch uh, do we should check out or do, do you want to just top five it? Like I kinda wanna do. I wanna I'm gonna do the uh, somebody to watch and that'll lead into the uh top five because it's somebody that's in a top five match. Slight spoiler there. But uh I think then we can get into the uh all the brouhaha of the actual wrestling world. Whew, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, this has been an interesting week, yeah. All right, so, man. Uh, Who should we look the for? Somebody to watch. Somebody to watch this week is somebody that is literally is brand new to me, even. I uh, just discovered him on Halloween, so a week ago Wednesday. Uh, I'm watching Beyond Wrestling um, because Thursday night I usually try to check out uh, Uncharted Territory. And I keep seeing these promos for a team called Gaytanic Panic. And immediately I'm going, okay, I, 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 I'm interested. I need to know what's going on here. 
And uh, one of them was a guy named Effie, who is, I guess, very flamboyantly, openly gay, which, hence the name. But the guy that caught my eye was uh, Danhausen. Um, and I don't, I don't confess to know a lot about the guy. I'm still learning. Was, again, first time I've ever seen him was last Wednesday or last Thursday, but completely just took my attention. And I know you can probably attest to this because I've been bombing you with shit of him for the last week now. Yeah. But yes, you have. <laughs> um, backstory on this guy: he's very strange. Um, he actually uh, was re- wrestling under his original name of Donovan Danhausen. Um, did some indies for the last couple of years. Really wasn't going anywhere. Wasn't getting anything out of it. And uh, I re- listened to an interview with him a couple of days ago where he talked about he was losing his passion for wrestling, just like losing his enjoyment of it, not having fun, not going anywhere with it. And he finally decided, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to do what I feel like. Just do what I want to do. He said, uh, the actual quote was there's way too many. There's a thousand and one tatted up guys who come out to heavy metal and kick your ass. There's a million and one of them. I want to have fun and do something different. And what he came up with is he hit on his love of horror movies and I'm guessing just shitty B-movie, cheese-fest horror movies. Um, he comes out in this like black face paint, black, white, and red. Kind of looks like, um, if you've seen The Exorcist, uh, uh, Team Pazuzu, the demon face that you see in The Exorcist. Awesome. Looks a little like that, or a little bit like Sammy Terry, if you're from the uh, northwest Indiana area. Um, he's this little guy, not very big, not very thick. Just kind of wiry, weird-looking. I guess he's satanic in some way. Playing this, he, I guess he wants to be taken seriously as this demon or whatever, but he's very soft-spoken, very weird, very odd. And he walks around with a fucking jar of teeth because he can. Amazing. He says in, in, the, in, the, in the interview, he comes out with a jar of teeth because he says, teeth are gross, and I think it's funny. So I'm going to start doing stuff with teeth now. So I've seen a couple of his matches now, and the guy will come out and literally dump a jar of teeth on somebody in the middle of a match. Um, oh. Goes he just his Twitter feed is amazing. I'm mean, actually it's Danhausen AD, so D A N H A U S E N A D on Twitter. Follow him and just be amazed. The guy is just extremely charismatic for all the weird, oddball shit that he does. Uh, I think I sent you a clip where somebody was interviewing him, asking him on Halloween tips, and he says, uh, "My my advice is uh, teeth are nutritious." And he says, "You you want you want people to eat teeth?" He goes, "Well, do with him what you will." Dan has needs some for nutrients and strength, <laughs> and just I fucking love it. It's amazing. Um, the very first episode I, I uh, saw with him on it, the match stops, and both matches I've seen him with his now. He stops mid-match, and they start playing the fucking uh, tequila song. And he dances to it and does the fucking Pee Wee Herman dance in the middle of a match. It's amazing. It's just this little creepy, weird guy that's just completely won over my heart in this, like, Orange Cassidy way. I I have no explanation for him. I have no, no real bearing on what to go check out of his, but go get on his Twitter, follow the guy, watch what you can of his matches, and see if you're as taken with him as I am, because it just floored me. Literally on Dan Twitter, Hausen I want to say this. Watch. Yes. Literally on his Twitter, his bio says, I am Dan Housen, very nice, very evil, wrestling human, married to Lulu, yeah. book that Dan Housen. 
Um, one of his gimmicks that he does is he will add the word Hausen to everything. Oh, that's so, funny. Buy my T-shirt Hausen, or uh, I think I sent you a clip of uh, him meeting Warhorse, and they recreated the uh, Predator handshake. And he comes with a warhorse, son of a bitch, Housen. <laughs> it's fucking wonderful. His slogan is "Love that Dan Housen." It's just, it's this bizarre charisma that just draws people in. And I fucking love it. So definitely keep your eye on him for whatever reason. I don't know if he'll go anywhere, do anything big, but God, he's fun to watch. He has a Patreon as so, well. Yep, Patreon.com. Love that Dan Housen. What can you get? I think he actually does like cooking shows and shit on there too. Like he's just out there. Happy with that Dan so, Housen. Support that Dan Housen. Okay with that Dan Housen. Um, so yeah, I, I happened to catch a match of his last week and uh, definitely one I will be watching going forward. He has a thousand dollar a month uh, fucking perk for his Patreon. Like he is apparently doing well for himself, so I can't really say much about him, I guess. And the nice thing is, he actually came from our neck of the woods. I guess he's from Michigan originally and does a lot with, like, Black Label Pro and uh, Freelance and Bizarro Lucha, which are all in this, like, Indianapolis to Chicago vicinity. Interesting. Well, good on so him for I getting may, over, man, and I like that he's your pick. He, I'm interested. I may uh, I may need to go check out some Black Label Pro if I can get a chance to go see Dan Housen live. I may have to. Love that Dan Housen. There you go. So uh, that'll lead into the uh, the top five for this week, which he is on one of them. Um, out of the top five, the uh, honorable mention, and I don't know if I got a chance to talk to you about this one. I actually had a chance to watch Impact this week. First time I've sat and watched Impact in probably over a year and a half. Crazy. Mostly because, well, mostly because it's been on, you know, whatever God knows ends of the Earth channel for the last couple of years. It's been on Twitch. It's been on fucking Pursuit. TV or whatever Paramount's channel was, it's all over the fucking place. But uh, when they went to Access now, it's on 8 o'clock on Tuesday night, so hell, I'll check it out. And uh, I don't know, did you, my honorable honorable mention match, say that three times fast. um, Honorable mention No, I can't do it. It it would not work. Did you see they signed Joey Ryan? Yes, actually. I did see that shockingly... Joey Ryan mm-hmm. is signed to Impact Wrestling. He used to be there a long time ago. It's kind of where he cut his teeth back in the old days. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so they're letting him, him do go back. The, uh, it's very intriguing. They're letting him. Uh, they're letting him do all of his uh, his uh, King of Dong style gimmick. But uh, so I happened to tune into Impact, and I'd heard that he was back on the show, and then I see on the card announced. The year of our Lord, 2019, we have Joey Ryan versus Ken fucking Shamrock on an episode of Impact. I knew that was coming. Uh, Shamrock did a uh, interview with Chris Van Vliet. Always talking about Chris Van Vliet on this show. Mad love to him. But uh, yeah, and he was talking about how he was working again with Impact a little bit. And it was at that time behind the scenes. And he was like, I would love to do some more, you know, st- I know he... Stuff. Uh, he did a match with uh, Moose on Bound for Glory, uh, but I didn't know he was still sticking around with them, so it was a big shock to me to see Joey Ryan wrestling Ken fucking Shamrock. And is it a match worth watching? Just for the shock value alone, yes. It's not a great match. It's not a work rate. It's Ken Shamrock, who looks like uh, a 50-year-old on steroids would look like. 
and Joey Ryan meeting Joey Ryan, and by God, Ken Shamrock does the deal. He does the dick flip. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I just sat there and giggled like a schoolgirl for about 10 minutes because it's Ken fucking Shamrock doing the dick flip. What is this life? So not a match to recommend for any kind of work rate or, you know, drop your jaw action. But Pure God, entertainment, it's, it's, though. Get your eyes on it. It's, it happened. It's a thing that happened, and you should see it. Hell yeah. So man. that's definitely worth an honorable mention. Uh, number five. Uh, Number five, I did just talk about it. Uh, I will go back to loving that Danhausen was uh, from the Halloween episode of uh, Uncharted Territory, Team Pazuzu, which is Chris Dickinson and Pinky Sanchez uh, versus Gaytanic Panic. And honestly, it was a fun match. Mostly, I enjoyed it because of the what the fuck is going on. This is Danhausen. I've never seen him before, but. You have Chris Dickinson, who will probably be someone to watch uh, on a later episode. The guy is the backbone of Beyond Wrestling. He is a just fucking bruiser of a dude. Great wrestler. Hell yeah. Um, Pinky Sanchez, who I've not seen much of, who for the Halloween edition came out dressed as Jesus Christ, wrestled as Jesus Christ. (laughs) And at one point during the match, again, this match was off the charts in terms of what the fuckness. Question, was there a crucifix Um, pin? There was a crucifix pin at one point, and uh, I do believe that Dickinson took a big shot to the head and went down, and Sanchez revived him. Oh, my God. That's great. In the middle of the thing. And, again, this is also a, a versus a team called Gaytanic Panic with a Satanist and a very openly gay man. I love it. So then you have Jesus factored into it. You also have, um, again, Dan Housen did the, the Pee Wee Herman dance. The first time I'd seen it. So what is life right in the middle of that? And uh, – Effie, um, who, as a side note, got known uh, last year for wrestling uh, Izzy from NXT, the super fan, wrestled against her last year. Um, Effie does a dive to the outside onto Dickinson and almost completely misses and eats it into the fucking chairs. Ooh. It's a nasty spot. But just this absolute clusterfuck of a match. Complete, ca- completely captivated. So, if you get a chance to watch Beyond Wrestling, which I honestly cannot hype up enough, won't be the last time you hear me mention Beyond tonight. Hell yeah. um, check it out. Beyond's well worth a watch. Um, so that was not my number five. Number four uh, from NXT uh, October thirtieth. Tyler Bate and Cameron Grimes. Amazing match! Um, Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. And again, you mentioned a couple weeks back with Cameron Grimes. Holy shit! They're actually making me care about this guy. They're doing and, something. I don't know how, but they are yeah, doing it. They're great matches, and I would be hard-pressed to find a Tyler Bate match yet that I haven't liked. I think so that's a fair point. So putting the two of them together, they had a hell of a good match. Uh, even though I'm not much for the, the, the fake-out finish of having Dane come out and you know a distraction into the flash pin, but they're selling the cave-in as a double stomp as a great you know world-beater move, which is great. And then uh, after a great match, you had Killian Dane absolutely bulldozing Dane into the steps. Um, you mean Grimes? Bulldozing should be bait or bait, bait into the steps. I think bait. it was. Yeah. yeah. So great match, great finish. Uh, bait is one of those guys. He's not at this point, somebody I would say somebody to watch because you've already seen him. WWE's already promoted him, 
but he is somebody that I expect in the next few years to be one of the pillars of the professional wrestling world. Tyler Bate is a fucking prodigy. Do you think he stays um, with WWE? I think he will. Okay. I think that, as a quick aside, that British Strong style of him, Pete Dunne, and Trent Seven built Progress Wrestling almost themselves. Uh, both of them, even for as young as they are, I think they're like 21, 22, 23 respectively, um, pretty much hand-built the British pro wrestling scene on their backs and are seeing NXT UK as their way to continue that promotion. So I see them sticking with the WWE for a while. As long as the UK brand is around and something that they can they can prop up, I think it's something they're going to try to see their teeth into. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, Bate versus uh, Grimes is my number four match. Uh, number three uh, from AEW, also on the 30th, uh, the Hybrid Dew and Kip Sabian versus the Elite. Excellent match. Hell of a match. Um, you and I talked about Hybrid 2 last episode a bit. Uh, I've got a lot of love for Jack Evans. Um, but they got to show off a lot in that match with the Elite. A lot of good instant chemistry with them. And uh, Sabian is coming on to somebody that's worth watching. And still kind of being underutilized. I mean, to briefly touch on how he was on the main event of Dark again. Right. Uh, well, he and the Hybrid 2 teaming up again. Might as well um, call him the Hybrid 3 now. Could very easily. Hell, they had matching colors. They do. Um, Not quite. Those greens are a little off, but that's just me being picky. A little off. A little <laughs> off. Uh, designer coming in here and telling me that. I get you. Yep, yep. That's, um, that's, that's me. But... No, it was a great match. Uh, the Elite always has great chemistry among the three of them and had a lot of really good near falls. Uh, Evans had some great spots. 100% so, could uh, not agree more, man. Like, I mean, the the AEW tag division, I was just thinking about it. Like, even teams that I'm just like, I don't know if I get you. I'm like, fuck, that was a great match. Right. Best friends, great and match. They, Anybody. And they do it continually. They do it very – It's honestly, it's the high point right now. It's the biggest strength in AEW is their tag division. Noted. Which, Bam. I mean, given that the Young Bucks are running the show, that's not really that surprising. So um, so that was my number three. Number two, going back to beyond, uh, just a couple nights ago, uh, the November 7th uh, episode, the main event was John Silver versus Christian, versus Christian Casanova. Um, John Silver is a name you might recognize, even if you haven't watched Beyond, because he's been on AEW and he's been on uh, WWE, really even in the last month. Uh, if you haven't seen him, he's kind of a shorter guy, bald head, really heavily muscled, and a pretty decent beard. Uh, they've used him as jobbers for uh, uh, for both uh, the I want to say it was the Viking Raiders on Raw one night. And then a couple nights later, they were on uh, on Dynamite jobbing to, uh, uh, I believe it was Proud and Powerful. Oh, shit. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, I yeah. got you. So a dude that has some connections you might see coming up here soon is John Silver. Um, great wrestler. Great look. A bit on the short side, so I don't know that WWE is going to take a pass on him because he legitimately is. He looks like he's like 5'2". Um, so not a big guy, but a hell of a wrestler. Casanova is somebody I had no, I'd only seen once before, but the two of them had a main event match there on uh, Uncharted Territory that just took fucking tore the house down. Uh, great drama, great kickouts, both of them using a very unique style. I think uh, 
Silver, uh, I think he whiffed on a couple of his finishers and ended up winning with a fucking punt kick out of nowhere. So, I mean, great, great match. Um, Again, one that if you're not really familiar with two guys, you're not going to go into it expecting much. Uh, Even having a little bit of familiarity with him, I wasn't expecting a whole hell of a lot. And uh, just great dramatic match. I think they went almost 20 minutes. So definitely worth a check out if you can get your hands on Beyond. Um, and then number one, I don't think there's anything close to touching it this week. You could probably already guess Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan is a fucking dream match and deserves to be number one almost any week. You can put it on. I, I, I didn't even get a chance to do the Adam Cole, baby. But yeah. Oh. Uh, just You have just led us down the most perfect path because... People are probably like, Adam Cole versus Daniel Bryan. What? Um, Adam Cole's the NXT yeah. champ, dude. What? He's not on SmackDown. Right. What? Had, that was the honestly half the draw to the match was that, and we'll get into this here shortly, I, I do believe, is the drama from Saudi Arabia that led most of the WWE roster, the main roster, to be gone for Friday Night SmackDown, to not be in Buffalo when they were taping except for a guy named Daniel Bryan who refused to go to Saudi Arabia because he has morals and a backbone. Boom. Um, <laughs> but, so you have Daniel Bryan free. Testify. Oh, God. I'll D'Lo Brown. Or D'Lo Brown. That's not D'Lo. Bad me. Bad buckles. <laughs> oh, buckles. That's bad buckles. That's Devon, not D'Lo. Um, no, see, they fly in SmackDown, or they fly in NXT. And... When you see Daniel Bryan has a match, who's it with? Who's it going to be with? In walks Adam motherfucking Cole. And the two of them just had a barn burner of a match, leading to what no one, I think, expected, a clean pin. Clean as a sheet, hits the Panama Sunrise, hits the last shot, Daniel goes down for the three count. The first shot was officially fired. Oh, God. Excellent match. Excellent promo to finish it. That whole episode of SmackDown was top to bottom fantastic. And really kind of sheds light on how bad the normal episodes are. But uh, that match alone, well worth your time to watch if you can get a chance to go find. It's a dream match. I don't believe that Cole and Brian have ever actually been in a ring together before. I can 100% confirm that. And interestingly enough... uh, just to peel the curtain back a little bit further, we mm-hmm. were messaging on Facebook when this was going on. You're like, do you have eyes on SmackDown? Get eyes on SmackDown. So I, I start watching like right before the main event, and I got to watch the main event play out. And I think as it was happening, I texted you, and I was like, this is a fucking dream match, dude. Like yes, I don't think these two absolutely. have ever faced off before. And I swear to God, they said it on air like seconds later. These right. two have never faced off in a ring before, and this is an absolute dream match. And I was like, yes, and the, 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 the funny thing is, is that WWE is pretty apt to say that they've never fought in a WWE ring before. And that's true. You'll have guys like uh, Brian and Seth Rollins getting a match. Oh, it's the first time they've ever fought. Well, no, it's the first time they've ever fought in WWE. They've already done Ring of Honor. But really, Cole and Brian, they were operating at two different time frames. So no, they've never gotten into a ring together. And instant chemistry. And you could tell they were calling that match on the fly. I'm guessing probably Brian calling it on the fly. But awesome match. And uh, actually, I had a little bit of uh, insight, a little, you know, talk, pulling the curtain back. Uh, have you listened to any of uh, 
Graves' new podcast? No, everybody's talking about After the Bell. I haven't listened yet. Well, he actually had, I listened to a clip of it uh, yesterday. They had Cole on the show talking about his timeline that day. And he's like, yeah, I got a text message uh, saying, hey, we might need you on Raw or on SmackDown at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I get another text message about an hour later saying, there's a plane that leaves in an hour, be on it. They fly me out. He gets to Buffalo. Uh, I think he gets, uh, they get touchdown. He has to drive to Buffalo from there, from the airport. Uh, gets to the arena at 8.15. For those playing at home, the show airs at 8. So he had l- literally under an hour and a half to get ready for the match. Uh, literally under an hour, really, to get ready and get set with Brian. Go out and have a main event match, dream match, on no prep. Call the thing on the fly. And suddenly you're the main event of SmackDown. How's that for a fun day? Considering that was probably not at all in the cards and not at all at plan. Oh, no. No, no, no. I mean, listen, man. It's interesting that, okay, we're not going to cover it, but we're gonna, we have to, like, briefly touch. They, did, to the Saudi, they did the Saudi Arabia yeah. thing. I can't believe that they did we, it. We want to talk about the show so much. We can talk about the show a little bit, but the drama came afterwards. Yeah, the drama definitely comes afterwards. They get stuck. They're not allowed to leave or whatever. Uh, but, you know, they also had announced, and you had messaged me the day that the Saudi Arabia show, you said, hey, did you see the big news coming out of Saudi Arabia? It's not so much about that, but it's about Survivor Series. And I was like, what? And you said, right. dude, NXT is now involved. Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, and I was like, holy shit, that's, right. that's brilliant. You know, like, wow, they're actually doing that's, something smart. But It's a long time coming. They've needed to do it for a little while, but I think that's the right time. This is very much especially the right NXT, time. Yeah, especially with NXT being on network TV now, definitely. So that happening, though, you don't have the plan of what happens with them being stranded. That's not a part of the game plan. I think I remember right. texting you, and I was like, hey, man, did you hear about who won stupid prizes for playing stupid games, you know? Right. I was uh, actually at work at the time uh, out in the middle of bumfuck Egypt at a little town called, uh, oh, shit, where were we? We were Star City, Indiana, fucking middle of nowhere. And uh, my phone goes off in the middle of my uh, my shift. And, oh, yeah, okay, that's what we're going on. Let me check my phone and see what they fucked up now. <laughs> and there, lo and behold, planes down in Saudi Arabia. The stars of WWE, Raw, and SmackDown are still in the Middle East. And that was just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, considering what we find out is most likely the cause for them being stuck there. I mean, we still we probably won't get a definitive answer for years. But like they, all we all we definitively know is what they've told us, and that what they've told us is that there was a mechanical issue. It all the other drama started coming from Twitter and from wrestlers tweeting shit, and what we already know about Saudi Arabia. And do we want to? Do you want to just run down the timeline on this? Sure, go ahead, man. Throw it, throw it together. So, the radio, the timeline that I can tell here, um, I don't have notes in front of me or anything, so this is just off the top of my head. On Thursday, Thursday was the actual Saudi Arabia show. Before the show went live, there was a conference call um, regarding, you know, WWE stockholders and everything. And the contents get released to the public usually. 
And there's some talk about money from Saudi Arabia or money that they can't account for. There's ratings and funds that uh, Basar is it Barrios or Basario, whoever the the bigwig for WWE is. I think it's George Barrios, I believe. Uh, they're asking him where this chunk of money is, and he doesn't have a record for it. And he kind of pushes it under the rug. Well, the next day we have the Saudi Arabia uh, people are getting ready to leave the show. And the plane's down. Plane's grounded. They're stuck on the tarmac for like nine hours. And rumors start going around that, well, they say it's a mechanical failure. Well, okay, what actually happened? Well, Vince left before everyone else did. So why did Vince leave early? Well, now there's a rumor that, uh, excuse me, I clear my throat here. There's a rumor that Saudi Arabia didn't pony up for the last couple of shows. It's like three hundred million. They didn't pony up the money for this one. They didn't pony up for the last Saudi Arabia show either, uh, which was, I believe, Super Showdown earlier this year. And Vince took him to task over it. And supposedly Vince delayed airing of the show for half an hour for 35, 40 minutes, and delayed the actual TV airing in Saudi Arabia. And then. There's some disagreement with Vince in Saudi Arabia. Now Vince is leaving before everybody else. And maybe it's Saudi Arabia that's keeping the plane grounded. We know they're not exactly on the up and up. So there's all these rumors swirling around. And you get tweets from guys like, uh, uh, I think it was Buddy Murphy that's just said, never again. Or, you know, these guys saying, not top 20. and Or, you know... You've got guys like Luke Harper that's saying, I I'm I hope I'll be home and shit like this. And then WWE releases a statement saying it was a mechanical failure. We know that it's gonna impact the show tonight and you know, the top talent from WWE, the top talent from SmackDown are trying to charter their own flight to get home. And to which we hear nothing from that. And then you start seeing guys like Curtis Axel who are bitching about not top 20. It's coming from the fact that apparently the top 20 stars were flown out or were going to be flown out, and everybody else gets left there to rot or left at a hotel overnight until they can figure it out. So on the one hand, you have have rumors of Vince's leaving early and leaving the ship to rot and leaving his employees, and he's a bad manager and bad boss here. You have rumors that that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is somehow detaining these wrestlers. You have wrestlers pissed off because they're not in this top 20 that was magically supposed to be uh, going on their own. or There was never any actual superstars trying to charter their own plane back. And there was never, you know, you have guys like Axel or, or, again, Luke Harper, who are complaining this not top 20 thing is because they apparently didn't rate high enough. Or they didn't, they weren't thought highly enough of. They didn't matter enough, or you know, they they were made to look bad because they couldn't afford to charter their own flight home, or they didn't care enough. So there's just all this weird shit coming from there over the span of like 24 hours, and no one knew what the fuck was going on. Couple that, still really couple good. that with the fact that they they agreed to more shows. Yeah. Um, and there's the, there's a kind of a, a little bit of disingenuousness, uh, not even a word, disingenuousness. Um, I'll allow it. The original, the original agreement with Saudi Arabia was never for two shows a year. 
it was just for one show a year, and WWE just did one, an extra one last year and an extra one this year, and go, you'll get it for it. You'll get us for it later, right? And this new agreement is they're confirming two shows a year now. So they're not actually adding anything to their schedule. They're just really kind of calming down their shareholders who are freaking out over what happened over the weekend and the lost money that apparently was because Saudi Arabia didn't pay him enough or all this weird shit all going on at once while they're in a place that no one really wants to be in in the first place. And, yeah, it's just a, a complete mess. I know I've, I've stepped all over this timeline, so I'm no, all over the place no, here. No, 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 man. It's, it's crazy. It is a complete mess. You know, you have all these stars that feel abandoned by their company. Right. You've got these questions swirling. Listen, if Vince marched in and delayed some shit from Saudi Arabia, he's got the motherfucking biggest balls on this planet. Right. Just saying. The uh, the grapefruits, as it were. Uh, yeah, his testicular fortitude is uh. ample, as Mick would say. Uh, and then you have an even an- another weird story coming out of that where on Monday... Uh, supposedly Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer newsletter uh, reporting back that Seth Rollins tried to take charge and Seth had a speech and rah-rah this and tried to you know be the team leader and that no one was buying it. Ooh, and then, that hurts. Well, yeah. And then Rollins comes out and goes after Meltzer, which never happens. Which means says, it's you know, absolutely true. Well, he says either you're... T- he goes, either you made a bold-faced lie or you're spreading misinformation. I never spoke. He said, Randy had a couple comments, but I never gave any kind of a speech. And then Meltzer, and the first time I think I've ever seen this, Meltzer goes, no, you're right, I'm sorry. I don't want to spread misinformation. I apologize. Whoa. So apparently uh, there's a source wrong or something happened. I don't know if it's Meltzer trying to, you know, go on one and discredit Rollins or he legitimately had bad info. Either one, but Rollins took Meltzer to task and Meltzer fucking backed down, which I don't see happen often. No, that's crazy. I didn't know that happened. That's absolutely insane. Um, I know AJ's gone on record a couple times. They had a public, they had a, one of the WWE talking heads interviewed Natty about it, and she toes the company line because she's a fucking hard. Of course she is. Um, but yeah, all this shit comes in about a 72 hour period. So from like Thursday evening through Monday morning, just balls to the wall. What the fuck's going on? Hey, let's throw it. We announced NXT for Survivor Series. Why don't we throw them on SmackDown? Holy shit, this is amazing. They got that one right, but we, I, I've already, I already feel the ball starting to get fumbled with this NXT decision. I agree. Like they came on hot and strong. NXT invades Raw. Awesome. NXT invades SmackDown was amazing, like totally unexpected. Yep. Like I had even asked you, like, what are they gonna do about the show on SmackDown? If they don't have all these guys. Like, what the fuck? They came up with the plan, you know, obviously, yep. and they had Lesnar quit, which I told you something was up. I was yeah, like, Lesnar doesn't uh, like SmackDown, bro. It's a fact. He's never liked being on SmackDown ever. I don't care who owns it. Yeah. Either way. It, it, the Lesnar thing's almost completely forgotten by the end of SmackDown that Friday because of all the other NXT shit. But then Monday, they try to do more NXT siege, and it's just fallen flat. And not because of the NXT folks. Like, everybody is popping to see the NXT people on Raw. 
and fucking uh, Basler had a hell of a moment with uh, with uh, Becky Lynch. It was awesome. That face to face promo was dope. Yes, it was. But it's surrounded. But the problem you're forgetting is that it's surrounded by all the other shit that is Monday Night Raw. Yeah, you know they're still running the Lashley thing. They're still like, oh, uh, it's still god awful at times. It's and a- I don't. Even, I can, I honestly couldn't even tell you without looking at my notes what the main event from Raw was. I don't even remember now. Uh, um, yeah, you do because you were actually hyped on it. It was uh, Rowan and Rollins, right? Or was that two weeks ago? That was a couple weeks ago. Um, hold on, let right. me let me go back and check the old notes here. Pulling out his trusty, dusty notebook. Oh, I've I've gone on one. I've gone through quite a few pages on this. Uh, we have... Oh, it was supposed to be Rollins versus Cole. It was Rollins and Adam Cole, and it wasn't nearly as, as good of a match. Yeah, it and that actually flat, ended, absolutely. Didn't end clean. They had, the, they had a, a brawl angle to finish it up, which... I mean, I'm down to watch Keith Lee somersault onto a bunch of fucking people, but... Really, the only thing you had was uh, you had that in the face-to-face, which the face-to-face was awesome because it didn't tie into anything else, but the Undisputed Era trying to take... They're trying to play this weird angle with Rollins now that he's lost the title where Triple H is trying to entice him to come back to NXT, but there's zero chance in hell of him actually doing it. And, like... Do you remember what happened when he tried to bring Rollins, when they had the face-to-face with Rollins and Triple H? Uh, he got jumped, right? Yeah. Um, or no, 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 no. Uh, A bunch of NXT people came out and, like, OC came out. Era. And it was, like, Undisputed Era came out, OC came out, and Rollins never got touched. Yeah, that's the, that's the angle they're trying to go with. Basically, um... Rollins doesn't know what's next for him, but Triple H does. And Triple H is going to try to entice him to come back to to NXT. And Undisputed Era shows up, gets on the ring, on the ring apron, and doesn't really do anything. They kind of like, I don't know if they're trying to be intimidating or enticing one of the two. OC comes out and teases a little bit of a fight. And then gets jumped by, I think it was like Dijakovic and uh, Damien, Damien Priest and maybe somebody else. And uh, Swerve too, the, right? Yeah, Swerve was there. Swerve was on that one. Um, Can't forget your boy Swerve. Yeah, uh, Swerve was actually there for the uh, the closing of SmackDown too. Um, But like, they're trying to play this off and Rollins didn't get jumped during the attack at all. So he didn't get touched. So they're wondering if maybe he's thinking about it. We know, viewers, we know there's no way in hell of him doing it. He's not going to go to SmackDown, or he's not going to go to fucking uh, NXT because USA needs star power on Raw. It's not happening. Correct. We've got to get. We have to get Seth versus Brock five thousand and one. <laughs> yeah, gross. So, yeah. So they they go to have later. Rollins goes and challenges Cole for the title, and Triple H accepts because apparently Cole's a face now, which I don't get. Um, and then they end up, they have that fuck finish where Undisputed Era runs in and interferes because no Cole's not a face he's actually a, you know heel now that's right and Under Siege and all this other bullshit 
which I like a good fight, but it's so played out. They do this every year for Survivor Series. Yeah, the who's going to betray their team angle and right. faction right. and all that and all that. Uh, I will say that I really like NXT being more involved, obviously, like taking taking more seriously. It feels fresh. It does feel fresh. Uh, what did you think about the... Uh, yeah, the Bobby Fish angle. Did you see that? Um, from Smack or from uh, from the actual NXT episode on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I liked it. I like the idea of the OC coming in and having an invasion of their own, and it's not just a random group of people. It's actually a little bit of a faction doing it. They jumped undisputed. They bounced before Bobby Fish's face off of a off of a wall. It exploded, and, uh, dude. Yeah, I I thought it was a blood cap at first. I thought it was faked. No, dude, knocked a tooth out. <laughs> yeah. Which, quick aside, it's a nice thing that uh, one of his uh, teammates is you know dating a dentist. So that's helpful. Oh yeah, Adam Cole, you know, baby, fly, getting that fly, uh, DDS love. Fly, uh, fly old Britt Baker up there to do a little sit in with NXT. Um, but yeah, it was a good angle. I actually liked. I love the. Uh, the closing match of the OC and uh, uh, versus Champa Lee and Riddle, yep. which is just there's some odd things. Kind of, I I could have sworn I thought they were going to do a, a, a war games match at Survivor Series. I thought I'd seen that announced as well, but no, we're getting a second war games match for the NXT uh, show the night before. That as of right now, I believe is Champa. Lee and Riddle uh, with some other one other person to be named versus the Undisputed Era. Damn. Which I don't, I, who knows who that's going to be. This is, uh, it's very crazy how they're doing it because like, uh, as of right now, there's only one official match with an NXT star on Survivor Series. Which, two now. Two that I've seen. I'm, I'm, then I'm missing uh, one because I just know the Shayna Baszler match with all three women's champs going mm-hmm. head to head to head. They have that, and there's also the tag team titles. Um, it was originally billed as the Revival War Raiders, and uh, which I will Viking Raiders War Raiders, whatever the fuck their name is now. Um, Revival Viking Raiders and Undisputed Era. So now it's, it's now New Day, I, Undisputed right. Era, and the Viking Raiders. Uh, the Vikings. Yep. So there's there are two matches announced. Um, there's probably going to be the traditional... I know they're going to do a traditional Survivor Series uh, women's match initially because they uh, they played that up. Sasha's the team captain, and I think Dana Brooke and Carmella are on the team now because they beat Fire and Desire for some reason. Weird, but okay. Um, yeah, weird flex there. I don't really know why they're doing Dana Brooke anything. But um, they're also, I guess, going a men's Survivor Series match uh, because I've saw an announcement today that Seth is going to be the captain of Team Raw. So put all the NXT turmoil to bed, probably. But um, you know what's funny to me is that SmackDown was great because of all the NXT involvement. Raw was shit because of all the Raw stuff, even with NXT on it. NXT is great when you have the Raw superstars come on. NXT is still a fantastic show. 
And then SmackDown this week, again, having a little bit of uh, NXT influence because of all the other regular main roster shit was still garbage. Which is so crazy to me because kinda, they, they taped SmackDown and Raw in England, right? They, did, they were Manchester. Right. Yes, if you feel like time traveling, you can read the spoilers from Monday Night's Raw already. Which we could probably do because by the time this comes out, it's already happened. We've already experienced. We've already lived yeah, it. Yeah, they taped it yesterday afternoon. I have looked at it. I haven't really followed much onto it. I can't remember even what it was now. I know uh, Imperium... Uh, no, no. If we're going to get into spoilers, the uh, the final match of the night was Rollins, uh, Kevin Owens, and the Street Profits versus Imperium. Which, I mean... I'm down to watch anybody fight Walter, but I don't know that they're going to do anything with it, unfortunately. I doubt we see any of NXT UK on Survivor Series. I think it's just because they happen to be overseas at the moment. Yeah, it was just a slight rub. Right. It's just main roster WWE is in such a weird fucking place right now. It's just very strange. It's the last tendril of Vince McMahon, and it's dying a slow, brutal death. It kind of is. And, like... Honestly, the, other than uh, Cody's promo on AEW, the line of the fucking week to me was Champa on NXT looking at uh, at the OC and going, you know, everybody keeps asking me, when do you go into the main roster? When do you go into the main roster? Well, let me be the first to welcome you to the main fucking roster. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Uh but. Also, another great line, I'm not going to lie, I love how TNT is allowing every other week for them to say shit, it seems. Right. Because uh, uh, Hangman Page is going to do some real cowboy shit. I, I marked <laughs> out so hard, I want that on a t-shirt. Uh, it's on a, If you go on the Pro Wrestling Tees, the AEW shop, it's on there. They already have a, a cowboy shit shirt? They do. I'm going to look right now while we're talking. There's also a, uh, they even have a Chris Jericho, I have a ticket shirt. I did see that. Pro Wrestling, pro, pro Wrestling Tees, they don't joke around. I just bought a couple shirts off them a couple days ago. They, uh, they're they topical, man. They're good. But uh, tying back full circle into this show, I was on their website yesterday looking for Dan Housen shirts. So I, I'm buying full line into that. Um, yeah, they've got uh, cowboy shit shirts for a, uh, for Adam Page already. I'm going there now. So you were you were talking about them swearing. What were you what were you building to? I just love that we're in a different era of wrestling, I guess. Mm-hmm. Where I don't even know how to word this, but like we're in a point now where we're so far removed from what was the Attitude Era, and we're in this new era of wrestling where the most important thing is wrestling and great promos. Right. And if those two things are checked off, it's usually a good show. And AEW has just been so consistent with that that it's no right. wonder they consistently are winning in the ratings. It's no wonder they consistently are putting out great content. Every show mm-hmm. has had a moment where I'm like, that was fucking awesome. Did you guys this see that? Absolutely. Uh, I think I even sent a comment to you, and I put something up on the Facebook page about this is the fucking promo of Cody's life. This is his hard times promo. 100%. Um, and really, I even caught a little bit of a swearing when he went to the, uh, he went from un, or undesirable to ungoddamn deniable. Uh, ungoddamn deniable. Yeah, that was awesome. And hell of a promo. God, amazing promo. 
Um, and I, it's one of the, you know, if he ever gets into whatever Hall of Fame, whether it's AEWs, he probably won't ever get into the WWE Hall of Fame, which, heh, yeah. But that'll be played at his uh, Hall of Fame speech. Absolutely. Uh, 100% agree with you, man. Well, are we, do you think we're at a spot where we need to tag ourselves in or do a run-in or something? Where, where are we at I with think this? so. I think we've actually, we've got, really the big things from this last week have been the Saudi Arabia stuff has been the big, big, big deal over the last two weeks. And then AEW's first, uh, first pay-per-views tonight, technically tonight, uh, last Saturday night, if you're in the time stream here. Yeah, you're but, figuring it out. But uh, that's been the two biggest stories, is Cody and then the NXT invasion and then the Saudi Arabia stuff that it's spun out of. And just what a weird world we live in. You have uh, your first three-way Survivor Series. You have NXT treated as a main roster thing. You have the first real, honest-to-God, pay-per-view going up against WWE. Uh, with TV backing it, and you have, you know, tying into the larger world of politics in Saudi Arabia. We are just wrestling is everywhere, and wrestling is all over the place. Really, you know, one thing we didn't touch on, actually, a couple things that's we didn't a, touch on. There's some title changes we need to briefly touch on before oh, we get right, out of here. That's right. That's right. We have um, a new Universal Champion. It was Red Strap Week. That's what we're going to call it, Red Strap Week, because people with red straps, the titles changed hands. So. That's true. We've got Seth Rollins walking into Saudi Arabia as your universal champion, and a shock moment, The Fiend takes it. Uh, should have been done at Hell in a Cell. You guys hadn't fucking whistled out over it. But I'm interested to see where they go with it. Uh, I'm interested to see that they're still keeping him on, and the universal title on SmackDown. They've switched titles. You have the WWE Championship on Raw and the universal title on SmackDown now. Which that red belt's gonna look real good on the blue show. That's great, but um, yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's absolutely the right call to put the title in the fiend. They blue balled it and did it too late, but I think it's the right call. Um, and now we even have a, a little bit of a hint as to who the next title feud's gonna be with, and I'm here for it. Oh, totally. Considering we had uh, this past week on SmackDown, the fiend attacks Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads Actually, and harkens back to their 2013-2014 feud around and in the time leading into the Yes Movement in WrestleMania 30. Daniel wearing the uh, the blue uh, dumpster diver suit, yeah. So, I mean, very, very awesome callback. I'm excited to see where that there. all goes. So it looks like your two top feuds on SmackDown going forward are going to be Brian versus The Fiend, and for some un- unholy reason, Baron Corbin and uh, Roman Reigns. Weird. Yeah, uh, I don't know what we're going to... And we have Rey Mysterio feuding with Brock Lesnar on Raw, and Seth feuding with... Uh, we I guess we don't really know yet. His self. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his smile. <laughs> oh, he's going to lose his smile. God damn. Uh-huh. How poetic. The other, uh, but- the other title change uh, was uh, The New Day. Oh wow, we actually had three title changes then, man, because we're mm-hmm. we're missing we're missing one that I want I have to talk about. The New Day, yeah, it's a spoiler because they beat the revival and it was like a you know, you could find that out before SmackDown aired yesterday. I do like Big E I mean, it's a New Day revival match. The match was great. 
Um, I kind of feel bad for Kofi getting slotted back to the tag team scene, but I do love Big E's line before the show of, we got to win the title, we're never going to keep up with Charlotte. <laughs> there you go. They're now seven-time Okay, so time which one champs. am I missing here? Which one am I missing here? Bro, on NWA oh, Power, we had yeah, James Storm defending the that. national championship against Colt Cabana. Good old Boom Boom. And Boom Boom won! Right. I I honestly did not see that coming. I popped uh, really in a million hard. Years, I did not see that coming. Yeah, definitely. Matter of fact, I think I sent you a picture. I ha- I now am the proud owner of an autographed po- uh, photo from Colt Cabana. Came with my most uh, wrestling or most recent pro wrestling tees order. Hell yes, man. So good, nice little timely thing. But uh yeah, I'm shocked they took the title off of Storms. I thought they were going to use that to play him up into the main title scene. I think they're still going to play him up into the main title scene because I think he's still going to be. I mean, it's going to be like a. I think the title picture right now, even though we haven't officially got, I think you're going to see uh, Eli Drake in the title hunt really soon. I definitely think James Storm is going to be up there, and I can agree with that. We we obviously know Tim Storm is no longer going to be doing that, but he's been uh, getting into some tag team wrestling and some other stuff. But honestly, uh, the promos they've been doing with him have been fantastic. He's a very interesting person. Totally, like, agree. I like his character. So I honestly had never really paid much attention to Tim Storm prior to. I know he's been with the NWA for a while. He was the he held the belt for a long time, and I I never really paid much attention to him. But he's very interesting. So I'm I'm down to watch more of that. Um, actually, speaking of NWA, I saw uh, Ashley Vox. Actually, I saw on Beyond the other day. Oh, that's awesome! I uh, yeah, I did not. I had never heard of her prior to watching her on NWA. Um, so I'm watching Beyond, and they build out the new uh, Shimmer Tag Team Champions. I thought, hey, I recognize her. That's Ashley fucking Vox. All right, good for her. Uh, Shimmer is kind of a WWE, or not WWE's, it's the North American version of uh, Stardom, all women's uh, promotion. So, really cool to see. Good to see uh, somebody from that promotion getting a little bit of shine, and and uh, good to see you know a little bit of crossover. It was kind of neat. Fuck yes, man. Could not like agree. I, said, I need to check everywhere. out your, the Beyond Wrestling and the Independent Wrestling app and everything that you were telling me about. I'm telling you, man. I... Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of watching Beyond every week. It's super old school. Actually, I was thinking about this the other day. When you look at, um, I actually kind of equated uh, the different uh, promotions as uh, music, like uh, bands in a way. I don't know why I was thinking about this, but just one of those you know deep shower thoughts that you have guys like WWE is the arena rock, like your journey. You know, somebody that everybody loved back in the day that still somehow keeps it going and is kind of just playing through the greatest hits over and over and over again. Doesn't really do anything new. Still has a, you know, a big crowd. It's a big draw when they come to town, but you're not going to see anything earth-shattering from them. Then you get AEW is that new hotness. It's that new band that's really kicking somebody's ass that's you know, headline and main tours, that kind of shit. <laughs> you look at something like Impact is your 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 local bands. It's the uh, the headliner that's hanging out for the weekend, and then you get somebody like Beyond that's garage rock. That's kind of I, what I love about watching Beyond is it is homebrewed 
It is built up from the ground. It is done in bars. You know, you see people walking in. There, there, people are right on the fucking apron. Like you watch a match and they're pounding. The fans are pounding on the sides of the apron during the match. It's great. You see random weird shit pairings, people coming in and out. It's your local dive bar on a Friday night kind of thing. And you see people that you wouldn't expect to see, or you find somebody new that, hey, I really like that band. I've never heard of you before, but what the fuck? Cool, I'm, I'll listen to you. I'll buy. I'll go to your merch stand and buy, a, buy an album. You watch Beyond for 10 minutes, you go, I have never heard of this guy before, but you know what, Chris Dickinson, I could watch more of your matches. You know, I really like this Danhausen guy. I'm going to look up more of your shit. I will go buy a shirt from you. Good for you, dude. So, Beyond Wrestling absolutely scratches that itch of watching somebody on the up. I think it's really cool to see. Fuck yeah. All hail Dan ha- Danhausen. Love that Danhausen. Hail that Danhausen. <laughs> Could that be that? That may be the uh, episode titles. Love that JIW. Oh, <laughs> I do dig it. Hell yeah. Or love that uh, love that JIW housing or something. Ooh, JIW housing. There we go. I like that. Too that has a nice ring to it. Uh, shit, man. Well, I think we should let our latter selves take over here, and you know, g- I agree. give us the give us the scoop on full gear. And see how we did. What do you think? I, I don't I don't know how we did, so we'll have to find out, huh? I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys. Well, us t- take take. T- Take take it away, man. Take it Just away. Take it. Take now. it away, house. Awkward. <laughs> Shit. Right now, no. I'm serious. I don't care how. I don't care how fucked up it is. I don't care. Go get it right now. Get it out of the back. We're gonna do the spot right now. We're we're doing the spot. I don't yes. care if you think it's too dangerous. We're doing. Hey, folks. We're back. Well, hey, well, we're it's journey into wrestling. That was an awkward introduction. <laughs> you probably don't. You might know what the fuck I'm talking about. When I do that, it's me I and I have Nate. a feeling. I'm joined in the second half by the homie. What's up, Buckles? What's going on, my dude? Not much, man. We are full of full gear. Yeah, we are finally into the uh, full gear fallout. Uh, you know, uh, we did a whole special on that show, actually. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Kind of liking that format, honestly. I like having a... I don't know if we could probably hit one for every WWE pay-per-view because there's a fucking ton of them. But probably the big ones I think we could probably hit and definitely if AEW only does four a year. Yeah, which we had we got a little insight on that too. And I... Uh, not to say I misspoke because I think they are still going to be doing something with the Jericho Rock and Rager. I was just going to Tom- ask, yeah. Tony Khan came out and said that they are kind of doing it like as quarterly pay-per-views, and they have something planned for January they haven't announced. The, uh, I actually heard them talk about what they're planning for the Rock and Rager. They're just going to do an episode of Dynamite from there. won't be a pay-per-view. They're just doing a straight-up Dynamite from the Rock and Rager. Still fucking awesome. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. I'm jealous. I'm, I wish I was going. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I fucking would love to. Oh man! But the only other uh, two cruises I'd love to go on. One would be Jericho's. The other one is uh, Flogging Molly does a show every year. Does a cruise every year now. Oh man, that would be a crazy party! God, I would be down for that. Molly fans who are all like, "I'm Irish. Watch me drink." I, you know what? I did that in uh, around St. Patty's this year, so I can definitely relate to that. (laughs) Ooh shit! I don't know about all that, man. It'd it'd fuck me up. That's what I'm saying. I ain't about that life anymore. Uh. But anyways, in any event, 
We did that prediction show, the full gear predictions thing, our run-in special, and we laid out who we thought was going to win, why we thought they were going to win. We had a very interesting uh, night, I thought, of uh, AEW wrestling. I'd say so, too. And really, prediction-wise, you and I came out completely even. We were like fucking Tyson and Holyfield in the center of the ring, just trading blows with each other. Of course, we agreed on a lot of this shit. There really it came down to two matches, which right. Wow, I, got, I can't. I'm actually like a little bit stunned at how everything played out. But anyways, let's uh, let's just go ahead and fucking get down with it, man. Break down this card. This is going to be the last half of this week's show. We don't have like a two and a half hour marathon for you. I don't think this <laughs> week. So. Just a, just an hour and a half a shorter sprint. one. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're starting with the uh, the buy-in uh, pre-show, if you want to call it a pre-show. Uh, Britt Baker versus B Priestley. You and I were both on Britt, and I think we both came away with the uh, prediction correct. Yeah, the prediction was correct. The match was good. I love there was a little uh, Adam Cole wink in the match. A little bit. Uh... I will also say that I called what came after the match. I just called it for the wrong fucking match. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I will say about the match itself, match wasn't bad. Uh, it's. I wouldn't say it's the best match on the card. I wouldn't call it the worst match on the card either. But uh, I think it was a pretty good. It's good for uh, Baker got the win. I think she needed that to build her character up a little bit. They haven't really done much character building with B yet. And I think that needs to come. And the angle afterwards, they might be going a little bit more with B Priestley to give her a little character. Because I can see her wanting a little revenge on uh, Kong and on uh, Brandy. Yeah, she got the shit kicked out of her and a pe- part of her hair cut off. I tell you, that was a pretty intense moment when there's a knife in the ring. When she broke out, the, there's a specific name for that kind of knife, and I cannot think of what it is. That kind of like... Uh, it's got like a hand holes or finger holes in it. You spin it around, uh, but almost like scalping her in a sense. Yeah, so it was the, fucking pretty brutal. I was like, "Whoa, definitely cool, definitely cool." I do have to say, I love Baker's finisher. That uh, that lockjaw. The more I yeah. see it, I'm like, I there is a little suspension of disbelief in the fact that okay, if you're sticking your hand in somebody's mouth, all they really got to do if they want you to let it go is bite down. <laughs> Correct. But it plays to her character really cool, and it's a really cool visual, too. I so agree. It's, it's, I think it's an innovative it's move, too. You're using two different submissions into one. Right. Uh, which, you know, I don't think to this point has been done, so good on her for that. Definitely. And the win. Uh, I think it does propel her a little closer to that title picture now that she's got another legitimate win under her belt. Yeah, it's true. Um I'm kind of interested to see how they go with it, considering she's already had and lost a title match. So I don't know if they'll give it to somebody who hasn't had one yet, but she's definitely getting the record to show it at least. Um, I feel she's almost, I mean, I know she's not undefeated, but she's almost like the women's division's Pac. Right. I would say the only person I can see, if they want to go strictly on record, um, I can see Hikaru Shida getting a shot coming up soon. Yeah, she was on uh, Dark, the the Friday episode of Dark last week. Right. Which, she's had a couple missed, of... Uh, they did two last week. It was weird. 
she's had a couple of singles wins and a couple tag team wins now. So I can see them, if they want to play the record up, I think that's probably your next best bet. I think uh, Sheeta Rio would be an amazing match. Yeah, I, I don't know if they want to continue going face versus face for a little while. They need to put a heel in against Riho. Um, Riho plays, and we'll get to this later, but Riho plays such a good underdog babyface that having a good heel against her really helps play that up. But face versus face is interesting enough, but they really need to build some character with them. And I think, I think a good heel is probably necessary for that. I think the only heel, and I mean I mentioned it in the in the prediction show, the only heel I see that really makes a threat to Riho is Awesome Kong. There's such a, I mean, you're well, throwing I mean, a, you're throwing yeah. a fucking dart at a semi. It's not going to hurt, you know. Right. I think you can do the same style of match as Kong. You could do with B Priestley. You could do with uh, uh, Nyla Rose again, who are both still kind of on that heel vibe. Or even uh, if they want to continue building up Jamie Hader, she's another heel that could work and seems to be doing pretty well. It's yeah, a, I think they like Jamie Hader for sure. They've kind of got a weird vibe with their women's division where all of their heels are that bruiser type. Like they uh like they're they're Kong, they're Nyla Rose, they're uh Priestley is probably the smallest of them, and she's pretty large. They need a so, psychological heel, not just right. a huge monster heel. Right. But maybe that's what Brandy that, so. kind of is gonna be though, right? They could except you know, Brandy's not really that great a wrestler. I hate to say it, but good personality, good promo, not not who you want to see in the ring for the most part. And I think that's why they're pairing her up with Kong. Yeah, it gives her some distance and a right. definitely a fun story. Keeps her on TV, keeps her relevant. Obviously, they want that with the you know chief Brandy officer of the women's division right. and everything. But uh, or whatever weird voodoo thing she's doing right now, which is kind of cool still. Who do voodoo? You do voodoo. <laughs> uh, set first match on the official main card of the evening. Went off with a bang. Was uh, Young Bucks and uh, Proud and Powerful. Man, what a war that these teams put put each other through. Definitely. Uh, there were, I mean crazy spots abound i feel like i'm just fixated on the finish though or not even the finish the post-match finish the post-match yeah you had and i don't remember which one it was because i'm bad with names but one of the members of a rock and roll express did a fucking canadian destroyer from the outside of the ring essentially onto ortiz yeah, and then the dive outside, too, was a really good dive as well. Oh, shit, I forgot. There was a dive as well. Yeah. Hell I was having dive, really too. weird choppy uh, connections with my feed for some reason. Ah, uh, I gotcha. Uh, so it was really weird because I saw every match pretty well except for the the jumping out of the ring spot that I saw the replay of. So it didn't have the same effect when I saw it on the replay, obviously. Right. And then I had really big trouble in the Jericho-Cody match, which we'll talk about. There's some things to discuss there, and I'll tell you when exactly the feed went out, which right. pissed me off. And then I got to see the fucking the Kenny-Moxley uh, match right. unabated, the clearest, best fucking, it was perfect. 
Um, so, so go on, anyways. I do want to talk a little about. So I, obviously, the post match angle was pretty big, but I want to talk about the match itself a little ways because the it's kind of weird that you know about a year or so ago, a year and a half ago, when the Bucks were still with New Japan. The dig on them was not only they were the big spot guys and just, you know, flips and flips and flips and that's about it. There was this dig on them going around that they couldn't sell. They, they wouldn't sell for anything. they just get hit and jump right back up into their next spot. And they kind of took it to heart last year. Uh, they ran a, probably a month or two solid stories about Matt Jackson getting his back hurt. I remember this, sold yes. Really well. And they had a match... Was it their Wrestle Kingdom match, I think, where the whole spot was so. his back got fucked in the match? I want to say so. They did, like, right around Wrestle Kingdom, they had uh, that. They had New Year Dash. Uh, There's a lot of stuff all at once, and a lot of it focused on his back for a good few matches. But uh, that kind of came up again at uh, Full Gear, only it was Nick Jackson, uh, after he gave that uh, the ring post a good kick, uh, played up his knee and his ankle and his shin, and that played a role the whole way throughout the match. And that's the kind of shit I love to see. I love Absolutely. having a good through line and a good story. And especially in a match. the attempted Meltzer driver into the fucking right. face plant he did. Right. It's that good takes shit. skill, bro. Yes, it does. Um, Proud and Powerful are a hell of a team. They're a great get for AEW. Um, they will go on to have great matches no matter who you put them up against. The only thing I have against them at all is Ortiz is so fucking animated and it takes away at times. Because he Cause oversells. that fucking crazy tongue shit. Yeah, the tongue shit, he gets hit with a super kick at one point and just goes like, he gets poleaxed. Like he's just straight up in the air. Oh yeah, really he like fucking turned into a fucking standing fish. Right. Uh, or just the biting on the rope and then waiting for a super kick. That was a little iffy on my end. Uh, it took a little too long. But, I mean, all completely minor. Great match. Um, I think the right people went over. I think Proud and Powerful absolutely needed to win that match. Um, I've seen some complaints online that the uh, the angle after with them getting beaten down and turn around and losing the heat that they had just gotten... It's not a good call. I don't necessarily see it that way. I think it's a nice send-off, so I don't think you're going to have Rock and Roll Express showing up and continuing anything. So I think it's a nice little once-off send-off. They've still got their heat. They'll be great. I'm not going to lie. They ran a little bit on being the elite with the Rock and Roll Express. That killed me. Really? Kenny walks into the into the dressing room with the Rock and Roll Express. He's like, hey, guys, listen. Um so I'm going to give a signal during the Moxley match. And you remember that cool thing I, I showed you? I need you guys to bring that out while you do it. And the Rock and Roll Express is like, what the hell are you, t- what are you <laughs> talking about? Okay, whatever. And then they leave. And then as soon as they leave, the Bucks walk in. And, and Kenny's like, well, that was fast. You guys look great. What happened? That's weird. And he's like, so you guys are on, right? You're going to bring the thing out when I give the signal like we just talked about. And they were like, yeah, we don't know if it's such a good idea, but we'll definitely do it, and it's definitely alluding and playing on the fact that Kenny thinks that the Rock and Roll Express and the Young Bucks are one and the same, <laughs> uh, which All is right. pretty clever. Yeah, good for them. That's a good. It's a good thing, and you know, you know, angle aside, 
it's cool as shit seeing I think it was Ricky Morton doing the uh doing the dive and the flip. The Canadian Destroyer was a little little weird angle, but really well done, and that dive was fucking great. Like he hit it full on. Good for Shocked you. Shocked the dude. shit out of me. Yeah. But uh yeah, hell of a match, great angle to end off, great we start. Both, we both had called uh proud and powerful win in that one. Right. And a solid start for uh, for the pay-per-view and kind of uh, interesting to see where the Bucks go from here because they've lost two high-profile matches in a row. They're on a losing streak, bro. Yep. And I think it's because they're going to kind of bury themselves in the tag division. They want all their other people to shine. And then I think at that's some a good point call. they can, oh, if they need the rub or if a situation arises where, let's say Kazarian actually gets hurt, you know, and, and right. Daniels isn't medically cleared or whatever, and they need somebody to step in. Right. The Bucks can be that team to like, oh, well, the tag titles are just going to go to these guys for a minute, and they can defend with that whole like, well, you guys haven't even won. Like, how can you right. call yourselves champs? Like, I think there's there, there are fun angles I think you can definitely play with the Bucks. Um, right. But I think yeah, it's a I good. Don't know, uh, I don't know where it go from here. I like it. Um, so we went from that. I believe next was uh, was that Pac Page next? Yes, early in the card. Mm-hmm. And that was. Uh, I got to give you a little credit here. You uh, you originally had Pac picked and uh, switched on me. Switched to Page last minute and made the right call. It was all about looking at the overall card and what we had kind of said, you know. Yep. And I kind of went back to that, how AEW balances. You can tell, not directly, but you can kind of tell what direction they're going. Right. And uh, honestly, let me just mention this here, that this match, while amazing and great, leads to their rubber match, which is coming this Wednesday, which right. or which tonight, it's coming tonight. Right. If you're listening, it's coming tonight. Watch Dynamite tonight. There are going to be some crazy fucking matches on Dynamite tonight, you know? Definitely. Uh, but all in all, what did you think of the Pac Hangman, or the Pac Hangman match? I always fuck that up. Pac. Pac. Um, honestly, in terms of just being a solid match on its own, I think it was probably my best match of the night. Um. It didn't have the storyline that that uh, Kenny and Cody or that uh, Cody and Jericho had. It didn't have the shock factor, the just magnum opus that uh, Moxley and uh, Kenny had. But just as a as a straight up wrestling match, I think this was the best actual wrestling match on the card. Um, I think the two of them have great chemistry. Pac is. He hasn't lost a step at all. Matter of fact, I think he's better now than he was with WWE, and that's coming from somebody who loved his run as the King of the Cruiserweights. Um, that's where he kind of got the character he's doing now. But I love him treated as a main eventer. I like him as the just not a little guy, not a cruiserweight, but a fucking monster in his own right. And honestly, Paige is growing on me a lot. Um I didn't really care for his stuff in New Japan quite as much. Um, I didn't really think too highly of him over the summer. I like the idea of them building up a new guy over the summer, but didn't think he was quite ready. But his matches are definitely growing on me. Um, 
And I got to say, he's got some of the best lariats in the business right now. Man, they're killers. And uh, as a quick aside, I'm a huge fan of not just a good lariat, but that's one of my favorite things to watch. I love watching JBL clips. Oh, my God, JBL is the legend of the lariat. Good old Stan Hansen fucking lariato. I love a good, impactful clothesline or lariat or however you want to call it. Flips them over. Yeah. Well, I mean, not just that, but the good follow-through. It's a good swing. You see great impact on it. Even the the flipping somebody over gets kind of overdone because everybody fucking does it now. But for whatever reason, Paige looks like he throws his stiff as shit, and I love it. So yeah, like he's trying to take their fucking head off, right? And I mean, he tried. It took him forever to get the timing down on that buckshot. Even when he was Ring of Honor, he could never. He never quite got it in. And hell, he didn't even do it in this match. Just was throwing the the discus clotheslines and regular lines. Still looked awesome. Um, Dead Eye's a solid finisher, and he's got enough high flying to go along with it. I think he still needs a little bit of character work, but his matches are definitely coming on. There's a spot in this match I want to ask you about. Sure. How brutal is that essentially sidewalk slam onto right. the fucking hard ass uh Dude, chair was, on the side of the ring? Like That was a little uh, Roddy Strong. Like he uh he just straight up just drops them and doesn't catch their weight, doesn't anything, just flat backs you on the apron. Oh, and uh man. he pulled the same on Guevara last week. Or either last week or week before. Um, honestly, my favorite spot in that match Ed, was uh, Pac sitting on the chair by the uh, barrier, baiting Paige in, and then dropping him with the brain buster onto the open chair. Back That's in the, the like, spot the, I'm talking about. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking two. I was thinking of a different one. I was thinking a uh, hangman doing his uh, the sidewalk slam onto the apron. Oh, that was ridiculous as that's well. That's what I that's was a thinking. Very of. I got painful you. move. That's yeah. That's the one he hit on Guevara. That's what I was thinking of originally. But yeah, both of them great spots. But um, what I was saying is with the pa- the pa- the pack spot. God damn it! I'll get that eventually, <laughs> folks. I, we'll I've heard it both ways. I think you're right either way. Eventually. But with that pack spot, the brain buster. There was no give in the chair. No, it didn't move. <laughs> it didn't move a fucking inch dude i was like oh my god yeah and really again there's a great psychology to it because he absolutely baited him into it like he uh was just dead weight in that chair waiting for hangman to come up and just jumped right into it fucking great move um i like the callback of uh catching the low blow yeah smart so i mean great match well wrestled i I'm not really sure I could say the right result because I still I had Pac picked for the match and I still think there's a there's a lot of benefit in having him with, as being the win rate guy, but I'm wondering if they're using this to build Hangman up to be an actual challenger for Jericho again. Could be. I think we'll find out on tonight on Dynamite because here's my prediction: if Page is destined to main event, he's got to beat Pac again. Right. Here's the thing. We already know how valuable losses are to Pack in his real life, in his personal life. Like, he actually cares about that. Right. They held off giving him a loss until the first official AEW pay-per-view. 
Technically, yeah. First singles but, loss. As a single, as a single competitor, yeah. yes, correct. Uh, and it meant something. Mm-hmm. So now Definitely. we go to Wednesday. They're going to have the rubber match. Here it is. The, their, their possibly final time together unless they're uh, going to Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens this to death. Bad creative. than that, so Anyways, hopefully not. Um, I think that – I really don't think the Hangman can win, though, because I think that this is a momentum thing for Pac. Like, you're going to watch him lose and not lose twice. It, there's no way he's going to be so much more driven to not lose. The only way I can say I would disagree with that is um, because of Cody losing, they need another babyface to go up against Jericho since Cody now can't. Uh, that's true. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. Now, they've proven that they can build a babyface out of nowhere with Darby, who I wouldn't mind seeing get another shot at him. But I can easily see Pat or Paige getting another win, getting the definitive feud winner, feud winner end, and saying he's got his ship righted and going after Jericho. When you and you have about the lone cowboy. Smartly. You could have the lone cowboy going against the uh, the inner circle. That'd be Which, interesting since yeah. you got Cody on the sidelines. The Bucks are in disarray. Kenny's all fucked up and weird and shit. Uh, there's some there's some dissolution going on with the uh, the elite. You have even without watching the being the elite, the elite stuff. Kenny is still. We'll see how he handles losing to to Moxley. Uh, you have we'll see how the Bucks take losing to Proud and Powerful, and Cody's off with MJF now. Whole different ball game there. Right. We'll get there eventually. But right. uh, all in all, I love this match. I took Paige, you took Pack. I got lucky. That's all I'm gonna say. I think it was I'm not really upset with either winner, so I'm happy with the match itself. Hell yeah. Where do we go from there? I don't even remember what was next on uh, the card. There were so many great things that I happened, it's just like all in there. I think the next match was uh SCU Lucha Brothers and Private Party. Barn burner of a match. Yeah, um, I wasn't as high on it. It was probably I'm not going to say it was the worst match. I, it was probably my least favorite match of the night, but I'm not going to call it the worst match. Um, just because there wasn't really anything to it, it just seemed like they wanted to get the tag titles on the show. They had just done the tournament, you know, a week prior. So there wasn't much time to build to something from that. You already have, I mean, you have a little bit of the angle between uh, SCU and Lucha Brothers, which they still paid off. But it was pretty obvious from Dynamite going forward that Private Party was just there to take a pin. And the only question was who's going to walk away with the belts. And to me, there wasn't as much tension to it. It wasn't their best match for anybody, really. Um, not a bad match by any means, but it wasn't. It didn't blow me away like, like I expected it to. I think that it was more. I think the match itself didn't mean as much because what came after was more important, and I feel like a lot of people kind of knew that was coming in some form yeah. or fashion. Uh, as the uh, team of SCU starts getting the shit kicked out of them by. 
the Lucha Bros after the after the match is over. And they're on him like steak on shit. And then the lights go out and the lights come on. And then there's another Pentagon Jr. in right. the ring. And it's like, a, what? They kind of mirrored the uh, Cerro Miedo. Then you get the, uh, I believe he hit a uh, STO. And then uh, good old Angel's Wings. And oh yeah, that's definitely Christopher Daniels. Oh, and then when he took the thing off, though, his face had the fallen angel paint, dude. That right, had the onk that and everything. popped me. I definitely marked down for that. Had the onk and the the skull mask. I like it. I let me and let me ask you this because I'm kind of on the fence with this one. I like having. I like that's that that's how they brought Daniels back. I think that's really cool. A great little uh, way to play it up. I would have waited a little bit longer to bring him back, though. Like I think I would have given it a couple more weeks probably to really play up how severe that injury was and how they're having to to survive as a two man unit. Wasn't that the second week of dynamite though? Uh, like second or third, I want to say. So it's still pretty early on. I mean, I mean realistically, we got to think dynamite's only been on for a month and a half now. Yeah, that's like true. We're only about six episodes in, so even. Even if it was like episode three, that's only three weeks ago. I guess so like you're it, right. You're right. It, it seems like it was a little bit longer, but really it wasn't that long for a major injury like they were playing that up to be. And I think that if they'd have let it go a few more weeks, then maybe when the second Pentagon shows up, you had a little more disbelief of maybe that's not Daniels. Maybe it's somebody else. This time, as soon as it happens, like, oh, yeah, that's there's Daniels. Okay, I gotcha. It's Evil Uno. What's he doing? Right. Man, he lost weight. He lost a ton of weight. Yep. Um, so, but, again, it was also really well done at the same time, so I can't fault it too much. It's just not – I would have waited a little bit longer on it. We both predicted it, though. The winners. Right. S-C-U. Um. I want to say after that, I think was Janela Spears, I believe. Yeah. And um, not really much to the match. Like, a couple cool spots. Uh, solid match. Uh, the two of them actually had pretty decent chemistry. Um, I dug the uh, tying Janela's hair into the ring rope, into the, uh, the tag rope. fucking brutal. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> As someone who used to have long hair and used to get it tangled up and shit, ow. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, that's not just coming out straight up. No, no. It's and you can still see there. it hanging off of there, yeah. Um, I dug the uh, taking the turnbuckle pad off as a fake out so that you get Tully doing the spike pile driver. I like Told that. Tully I was going to get involved. Right. Um, and I don't think that's the end of the feud either. So I think having Spears win and win dirty is absolutely the right call. Yeah, then the next match you have Janela win, maybe dirty in his style of match. I don't know. I don't know if you right. go into a lights out match or what. Here's the thing. And I funny you mentioned the lights out match or mention, you know, Janela's style. Um, I think we have a little bit of extra character development for Spears that didn't really get mentioned during the show. You had to kind of look for it. Uh, did you see the shirt that he was wearing when he came out? 
I did not actually. He's wearing his little, his little like hoodie or coat over it, so it's kind of hard to read. But his shirt said "No More Garbage Wrestling," and something that I'm gonna kind of allude to a little bit later on. Uh, but that hardcore style kind of alluded to it called sometimes as garbage wrestling. Um, and who's the first person he's going after? Joey fucking Janela, King of the death match. And I feel like they said that that shirt is from somewhere that Sean Spears trained at or some shit. Like they mentioned where the shirt came from. And if they mentioned it, I didn't catch it, but I, I definitely saw it at least. Um, and I can see that being a little intelligent in his ear and, you know, trying to get him to that throwback style and have him maybe maybe he's going to target the hardcore guys for a little while. Because, I mean, you've got Darby that he can feud with. You've got Jimmy Havoc that he can feud with. If you really want to build him up, have him go on against Moxley eventually. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, that'd be an interesting callback. A little bit of character to it if they've got him as the, uh, you know, trying to bring it back to traditional value wrestling and not necessarily old school but classic wrestling and taking out the hardcore guys and that's that's a little bit of character development for him i dig so it I'm, Tra- train I'm, of our existence showing up you can probably hear that the crowd audience probably can't hear that but right so i i think that's uh that's gonna be something to watch with spears going forward i think i think that's cool to see and we uh, both predicted Spears would come away with Victor, which he did. Right. I think we both uh, called dirty win too. What's up? I said I think we both called it a dirty win too. Yeah, of course, of course we did because we saw how this card was playing out. Obviously. Right. Uh, um, I just re- I just thought of something that happened in the Moxley Omega match that just like turned my skin, and I just totally forgot about it and then remembered. <laughs> So we'll put a pin in it. We'll that. get it. We're, we're going to go over that one in depth. I get the feeling. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I think next was uh, Riho and Emi Sakura. Yeah, this match was okay. So Emi Sakura's Freddie Mercury gimmick bums me the fuck out. I don't like it. It's weird. It's really weird. Her microphone isn't plugged into anything, and she's acting like she's singing, and there's not any words to her music. It's very confusing. Like, so, yeah, it's. I I get what they're going for with it. It's like it's really not any different than uh, Nakamura doing his Michael Jackson thing, but it's really just strange. There's no explanation for it. It's just very odd. It is odd, and of course you have this whole like. Uh, student versus teacher kind of concept in the match. And Riho got worked over nicely, I thought. Mm-hmm. There were some really innovative spots from Sakura, just being creative in the moment. I dug the uh, the rolling surfboard. was pretty cool. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Roll- yes, that's it. absolutely. When she just kept starting the surfboard stretch, and then she'd pull it down and then go to another side and then go again. Oh, right. She did that like four or five times. It was brutal. Right. Um, uh, go ahead. I will say that it started out pretty slow. Like the crowd wasn't into it at all. But Riho definitely as a babyface pulls people into her matches really well. Definitely. And they were definitely invested by the end. 
Right. Uh, Which, I mean, the only thing, the only, the only thing that gets me with Riho is she, had, she definitely works that Joshi style, where they throw a lot of drop kicks. There's a lot of stomps and there's a lot of knees, and sometimes it feels a little spammy, because she did that double stomp probably four or five times throughout the match. And Not that powerful. I, I know, especially when you've got like a when you're ninety pounds. And, I mean, I get that eventually her knees do look pretty good. But I think eventually they're going to have to really find somebody that she works with well to continue a feud. Because suspension of disbelief with her has to be real. And that's only going to happen so many times the same way. If If you take my meaning. Like... Well, she, yeah, she can only be a come-from-behind winner and hold the title for so long, being such a small-bodied person going up against right. a, it's only no offense, so I'm not times. trying to be an asshole here, but a definitely much more athletically built, larger opponent women's division. Right. Like, I get, she's a great babyface. Don't get me wrong, she's a great underdog babyface. And... I mean, honestly, one of the better ones I've seen in a long time. But you can only play the underdog so many times. Eventually, you need a competitive match. Eventually, you need one that you might even be a little favored going into. I mean, you look at guys like in in WWE that they paint as consummate underdogs. You've got guys like Daniel Bryan or Ali or Cedric Alexander, the three ones I can think of off the top of my head. And even then, they're presented as they're an underdog in a certain match. But you put them in an even match, they're going to be maybe even favored. Yes, so absolutely. You can't play that underdog route every single time. And every Riho match, she is an underdog. So I like it's a great story for a couple matches in a row. I like her as a champion for now, but it's not. It doesn't have the legs. I think they want it to. No, not at all. Uh, Riho comes away with the victory here, as we've just said, and we're still just moving and grooving right along right now with the predictions because mm-hmm. we nailed that one too. Of course, I did say Awesome Kong was going to get involved, which didn't happen. Well, I mean, you still had him getting involved at some point in the evening. I think I think you had that one right on. Yeah, I figured it was time to debut her officially, officially, since she had the surprise return at Double or nothing, I think it was. I'm kind of hoping that, yeah, it was it uh, double or nothing. I'm kind of hoping they get they go back to a little feud that they tease there. Bring back uh, Aja Kong as well and have the two of them just go hoss fight. Ooh, that'd be awesome. I would, you give me that, that's a main event fight. Take my money now. But. Uh, I don't know if they. I don't know what their relationship with Asha Kong is, so I don't know how they're going to continue that up. We'll see. My hope um, is they are ahead. being savvy enough businessmen, and this is to talk about like the behind the scenes office side of AEW. But like, I hope they're all being savvy enough businessmen to just be understanding and know, like. Not intimidate people into contracts, like not be like, oh, well, we're going to give you this much money and that's right. you're not going to get it any better anywhere else or whatever. But also being able to go, 
maybe right now you need to go spread your wings and get your name out there some more and then come back to us and when we can really make you a star. True. You know, Very I true. mean, I, th- I, I hate to say it, but like Kylie Ray is a prime example of their willingness. I was to just, just like, thinking, you that know what? Too, we yeah. understand. We get it. Just thinking that. And yeah, I honestly, I like the fact that they aren't locking people up to a completely exclusive contracts. Um, you think about guys like Jimmy Havoc, he does, he works regularly with MLW as well. Um, you get guys like, uh, Darby Allen still does some indie appearances. Hell, uh, Kenny does DDT every now and then. Uh, Jericho's about to, uh, actually Jericho just got announced for Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Tana, he's going to go back Tanahashi, and work with right? The, yeah. Uh, going to go work a match with Tanahashi, which should be a fucking great match. Um, so, I mean, I do like the fact that AEW is willing to let people, you know, kind of fluctuate a little bit. I think that's cool. <clears throat> I think in the modern wrestling era, you have to kind of go back to that territory-based thing for it to work. Like I said, I love that Rock and Roll Express was on power a couple weeks ago. They're right. also on AEW. It's like, right. man, that's really cool. They, like, all get it. They understand, like... I can bring these guys in to sell a killer angle and help them a little bit and then help us too. Cool. And then send them back Definitely. where they go where that's going to just improve their rub because they were just on AEW. Cool. Definitely. And I think, I do think that uh, AEW's relationship with stardom and with uh, some of the Joshi stuff is a really good call. Although, if I'm not mistaken, and I may be wrong on this, I think New Japan just bought out stardom recently. Or the company that owns New Japan, uh, Bushi Road, and I'm a little concerned that if uh, New Japan and AEW's relationship isn't the best, which aside from Jericho, it doesn't seem to be, that 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 uh, path might get cut off a little bit. Uh, which would be unfortunate, but we'll just have to see. Yeah. I mean, that one that one's still kind of up in the air. I wonder if they're gonna if that actually happens if if all the wrestlers get a choice like you want your contract bought out do you want to go elsewhere do you want to stay put, right? I think one of the I honestly I think one of the draws to AEW is that they're offering that flexibility. You know, people are seeing somebody go to WWE, get signed, and if they don't do anything, WWE's not letting them go. Hell, uh, Sin Cara just got uh, publicly requested his release. I think yesterday. And very graciously asked for his request and very humbly and very uh, glowing review of WWE on his way out. And the likelihood is that he won't get released either. They're going to sign gonna him to a 50-year extension. Him, yeah. I think he's got three years left on his contract or something. So, you know, there's something to be said for AEW giving people the leeway of, you know, if you come work with us, We'll push you. We'll give you, you know, a big shot. And we'd like to keep you, not necessarily exclusive, but as much as we can. But maybe we can work something out where you go and do your independent stuff here and there. And I think that's that's probably one of the bigger draws to signing with an AEW over a WWE at this point. Yeah. It, it's but. the freedom to... to do what you want to do. I know Tennille Dashwood was talking about working on Impact right. Wrestling. Uh, Chris Van Bleet interview as I always bring up and uh, she was just talking about how like 
she's not an exclusive talent to them and she could work other things. And it was like, that's, that's what she loves is the freedom to do what you want to do. And I was like, man, that's gotta be great for wrestlers. Cause they're actually being used as what they've been told that's, they uh, are this whole time. Independent contractors. Mm-hmm. That's why Joey Ryan went back to impact himself specifically. Yep. So, so I mean, there's definitely things there. Um, so we went from that match, uh, Emmy Soccer and Riho, to uh, the co-main event, or if you want to call it that, but the big title match. You have Cody versus uh, Jericho. Ooh, this match was a very interestingly paced match. I know you had some issues with pacing. I thought it was just like a slow build that once a couple things happened, shifted right. the whole way the match was uh was kind of uh, put into higher gear or full gear, as it were. I think the issue with pacing for me kind of comes down to two things. Is that, A, Jericho is, don't get me wrong, Jericho's still one of the best going. He's still one of the greatest of all time. But he's getting to a point in his career where he works slower matches. Like, he's not going to go... Do a high pa- high paced, excuse me, high paced, fast paced sprint of a match. That's why he does more of the hardcore stuff now. It's because he's kind of slowing down just that little bit. Cody has always worked that style. Like Cody's matches, I've said it before on the show. He has never been the work rate guy. He's been the story guy, to his credit. But when you put two of those kind of guys together it does mean that that pace is probably going to be a bit slow it's going to be heavy on the storyline you're probably going to get interference at some point you're probably going to have some rest spots and some drama involved in it which isn't a bad thing at all but it does make the pacing a little tended to be down and i think that's what we saw um where it picked up was Cody's uh, face plant into the diamond plate. <laughs> Intentional botch or accident? Oh, I think it was intentionally planned that he was going to miss. I think the uh, there was absolutely intent that he was going to dive over the ropes and just miss. I don't think he planned on coming down face first and busting himself open. That eyebrow looked gnarly, brother. Yeah, I think it was like seven stitches. Jesus. Um and yeah, that wasn't a blade. That wasn't uh, that wasn't a planned bleed. Um, don't get me wrong; I wouldn't put it past Cody to try to intentionally get color. He's been guilty of it in the past. But if Look he did, he daddy. fucking did it the hard way. <laughs> um, because that was even if you look at it when they cut to it, that was a split open cut. That wasn't a. Uh, I, I've actually busted my eyebrow up in the same spot before that's an impact <laughs> yeah it pushed it pulled it away it was gross right. as fuck it like um, immediately started exploding blood matter of fact actually i saw one of my favorite comments i saw in the night was uh man do you want new jack devon forehead because that's how you get new jack devon forehead <laughs> absolutely without question <laughs> uh, um I will yeah, say that that's when my feed cut out really bad. So, like, he oh. hit. He hit, and I was like, oh, my God, he is fucking dead. Yeah. And then my feed was, like, glitchy, and then he comes back, too, and the ref was, like, checking on him a little bit, and they were, like, patching him up, and I was like, oh, my God, what actually happened? I didn't see, you know? 
And then I, they just uh, got back into the match. I remember sitting here watching it on my tablet and having the moment when he gets ready for that dive. I'm like, oh, man, Jericho's going to move. Oh, God, he's going to – oh, oh, no. Oh, Cody, no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I watched the match back, and they showed, like, a replay from a different angle from the other side. Oh, my he God, ate it, it so brutal. hard. <laughs> like, here's the thing about, like, I kept waiting for a spot on that ramp because the ramp leading directly up to the ring, that's a triple A, that's a uh, impact thing that they do that now. And – a first Used for to AEW. be a WCW thing. Let's get it right. Definitely. So when they had that drastic of a shift in the way they're set up outside the ring is, you know that's going to play a role at some point. Like when they have the three or four extra announce tables outside of a WWE pay-per-view, you know somebody's going through one of that those foreign announce tables. Or somebody's so, going, four people are going through right. four announce tables. Right. <laughs> But so when they when they had that elevated ramp, I'm going. Well, somebody's going to get thrown onto it, power bombed onto it. Something's happening before the end of the night. I kind of expected the Young Bucks to do something, or actually, I expected the Lucha Brothers to do something with it, since that's a lot closer to what they're used to at AAA. But I dug that as soon as uh, Jericho uh, moved out of that dive, I thought, oh, okay, there's the spot. <laughs> Finally, we've um, arrived. Right. Um, but yeah, the match kind of picked up from that point because you have Jericho's got a spot and a target now. Um, what I did not expect, and I think when you and I did our preview for it, the stipulation of the match, neither of us thought they were going to go Broadway and have the judges involved and all that. But for a minute, it felt like it. It did feel like it, but I think they only did like maybe 25 minutes. They didn't even get to halfway through the time. Um, but the, I didn't expect the throwing into the towel as a way of, um, really of Cody getting out of that stipulation a little bit. Like he lost, he lost to Jericho. Yes. He never got pinned. He never submitted. Yeah. He never quit. Right. And hell, he didn't even pass out. Not officially. uh, He was damn close though. Right, and shout out to Jericho for pulling out the old school lion tamer. I will always pop for the old one knee to the ground fucking torque lion tamer. I will always pop for that. Fuck yeah. He did the walls, though, at one point. He does the walls, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, nice. I don't think they called it the walls, though. I think they just called it the double Boston Crab. Um, I think they did. Call, usually, JR is good to call it walls. He almost always, you'll get a, the walls set in kind of thing. But Well, JR was awful. Yeah, he was. He was really bad the whole night through. Like, um, it's getting hard to listen to him really. You know, the sad on. thing is, the sad thing to me is they had Taz on the pre-show, and Taz was great. Killed it. He was great on uh, Dark a couple weeks ago. Shit, I they had Chucky e. T on uh, Dark doing that was a, that would, a, wasn't quite the match. It was awesome. I see. I didn't, I kind of lost him a little bit, but I think his voice and uh, Golden Boy's voice sound kind of similar too, so that didn't help. Um, actually they had MJF do Tuesday's dark and that whole show was phenomenal because of him. Damn. Um, damn. But yeah, JR, JR kept getting names wrong, moves wrong. He was going on these weird, like tangents and shit. It was just very strange. 
And, like, you get the sense that he's just there for the paycheck. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's the name raking it in. There was something. He said something in Spanish. And then Excalibur retorted, and then there was, like, an awkward silence. Yeah, there was. I can't remember what it was now. And this, again, the thing is, Excalibur does a great job of covering for him. I think that Excalibur and Shivani do great together. And Excalibur and Taz do phenomenally together. It's just that they wanted JR for that name recognition, which, I mean, I don't blame them for. But the dude has lost several steps. And it's been fairly obvious, even before he got to AEW, his calls at the Mae Young Classic, his calls with uh, uh, Josh Barnett of the New Japan stuff, same deal. Like, he's just very, I'm not going to say disinterested, but he is so casual about how he reacts to everything. His soul's and not in it like it used to be. No. It's unfortunate. And I mean, you can't blame the guy either. You can't. But, no, he's had a tragic, crazy past few years, for sure. Right. Right, Definitely. I just think I think that at some point they're going to have to move on from JR, and I I hope that they get to that point sooner rather than later. I As a wrestling fan, I hate saying that, but... Bring in on Taz, the flip side, motherfuckers. On the flip side, it's still better than listening to Lawler on Raw, so... <laughs> Ooh, nailed it. So, uh, uh, you had Jericho have Cody and the Lion Tamer. Cody's not tabbing out. He's also not moving. He's kind of fucked. He's bleeding all over the goddamn place. Right. I... Couldn't text you because I didn't know what time frame we were on. I didn't want to spoil yep. anything. As soon as he had the white towel in his hand, I was like, oh, no, I know where this is going. I uh, honestly kind of faked me out a little bit. Um, because really, other than his little interaction with Hager, MJF was kind of non-existent throughout that whole match. To the extent You kind of forgot he was out there. So when that towel came flying in at a, like from off screen... That towel came in from out of nowhere. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, no. Oh. And then then he sold how bad he felt solid for a few minutes. Like, it was was pretty solid, like, apologizing to Cody and everything. And I was like, wow, this is, like, not what I was expecting. Point of fact, I think I messaged you and thought they were turning, uh, they're going to turn Cody heel. Yeah. Yeah. And, And just have him give MJF the what for. I I was absolutely expecting it. Nope, low blow from MJF to the jewels of Cody. Yeah. And not the, even not even the uh the traditional wrestling, you know, crooked arm China low blow, but just the straight up kick to the dick. Like just absolute punt. Dick punted him. Ouch. And yeah. And have him just sit there and laugh and just flip him off. It's like, you look pathetic. Like, absolute just smarmy douche. Most and, heat heel yeah. in wrestling, bro. I will say, when they walked off, uh, I think they've kind of... I've seen a couple of rumors now that uh, the fan that hit him with a beer, that was a plant. Ah. But, uh, yeah, because, I mean, the security dude was right there on him as soon as that got thrown. And it was timed really well. And I, I kind of, I think I even asked you at the time if that was a plant. And, you know, I don't know if it was a plant. I don't know that it was necessary. 
because the crowd already hated him, and it was pretty obvious that he's the absolute shit of the earth heel. But you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I enjoyed seeing the fan throw shit at him. It uh, harks back to the old. Uh, it makes me think of uh, Goldberg taking the uh, the title off of Hogan and all the shit they were throwing in the ring at Hogan. Or when uh, NWO debuted and Hogan was oh, the third man, and they Definitely. filled the ring. Jeez. Definitely. So, I mean, I can, even if it was a plant, not necessarily necessary, but I'm up for it. I'm mean, I, I like, I enjoyed it. You're here for it. And matter of fact, the first thing I thought was, Dan, that dude really hated him if he threw away a $15 beer. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> Expensive toss. Help. But um, worth it. Yeah. And uh, so I, I have to ask, first of all, thoughts on the heel turn itself? Loved it. I'm stoked that they have been. I mean, listen, MJF joined the Elite show about this time last year. Maybe a yep. little bit before that, but roughly like like I would say, I don't know, it was late 2018 for sure. And I wasn't really sure, and I wasn't really sold, and as soon and and like they would do the things where he would be in the room with Cody and he'd be sucking Cody's dick. Like, yeah, man, you're the best. And as soon as Cody would leave, he'd be like, you fucking loser. I'm glad he's gone. And it was like the obvious, like he's going to betray him. But then right. they kind of, as they got closer to TV, they faded out that whole thing and got rid of that side of him. And it's just been this like subtle friendship. Okay. Like he's this guy's close friend. He's gone to bat for him a few times. You know, he shows up in all the major brawls to defend Cody to the death. I like that they've teased it even in subtle ways as well. And I wouldn't say subtle, but like they had the undesirable to undeniable thing on dark one, uh, one week with him. And you could see the, the camaraderie between the two of them. Um, yes, absolutely. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the press conference they did at comic con where MJF shows up in uh, cosplay to yell at Jericho. Um, they did the tease of uh, the inner circle handing in the chair uh, before he ran off uh, the inner circle guys. So they've kind of played up this build of, man, even when he's not saying, just saying he's his friend, he's actually doing things to defend him, going out of his way to say good stuff, and we're showing these things. And then uh, I, I'm, again, kind of like the... Uh, Kind of like the Christopher Daniels thing, I might have gone a little bit longer for the fans who haven't been watching being the elite to let that build up a little bit more. But I can't complain because it was a well done heel turn. Man, it was it was still achieved. It's brilliantly executed. The heat built on him so quickly, right? The crowd genuinely hated him because it's like it's one thing that he cost Cody the title by throwing in the towel. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fans are already going to probably boo him if he stays a face right. for a while because of that. But then to immediately after he's cost Cody the title to kick Cody in the dick is like right. brilliant, brilliant heat building for the heel. I can't wait to see what's next. I will say that I'm not going to be surprised if uh, MJF ends up in the inner circle. Even Jericho said yeah. after the post-fight press conference that they did for Full Gear, he was like, even before he turned on Cody, 
we were looking at MJF as a possible candidate for the inner circle. Like, he totally fits. Right. And it was and like, really, oh, shit. Like, that call is just like, man, maybe they're building a real. Because that'd be the thing, too. Make him the new hot, like, standalone guy. But then, of course, that muddles Guevara a little bit. So I don't know if you I was you just thinking the same I'm, thing, I'm yeah. Well, you can see that. It depends. Um, I do... I do think there's a little similarity with uh, MJF runs a stable in MLW. He's another one of the guys that does the uh, side work with MLW uh, called the Dynasty. And it's this rich guys type faction. It's kind of this evolution style, but they're just rich kids, basically. And he's a great shithead rich guy heel, which is very much what he's going to do now. So, I mean, he kind of fits in already with what the inner circle wants to do if he plays that same role. I don't know if he will necessarily, but I, it would make absolute sense for him to go buddy up to Jericho now. Um, I actually love the look on Cody's face in the ring after MJF walked off. Because he hung out in the ring for a solid probably 30 seconds afterwards. And he had this look of he realized not only he did he lose the title, he's lost the ability to challenge for it. He's lost, you know, all the time that he's put into it. You know, they uh, Brandy and the promos leading up to it mentioned that they haven't seen, they've just lost him for that period of time. So he sacrificed all that. And now he's lost his, what he thought was his best friend, too. Uh, meanwhile, Brandy's off doing whatever the hell deep end shit she's doing now. Um, Cuckoo. Yeah. And God only knows what Kenny and the Bucks are doing at this point because they're kind of having their own issues. So it leaves Cody after just a week after his promo saying, you know, the elite's coming for you. The elite's coming for you. Um, he's kind of on an island now. He's the guy that somehow has lost almost everything and doesn't have, maybe he doesn't have the friends around him that he thought he did. Uh, and obviously I think that the Bucks will still back him up. I don't know that Kenny will because Kenny and Cody have never been on the same page for a while. And Kenny has shown that he's willing to abandon whatever for whatever feud he's working on at the time. So it's going to be interesting to see where Cody goes from this. Um, right into a feud with Marty, who's going to debut on night. Uh, I can't remember. What did I say? Marty's contract's up in like February, January, February. Oh my God. That's forever. Stop it. <laughs> um, can't wait that long. Spe- so do we want to go ahead and jump right into a, uh, Moxley Omega, the post main event. Yeah, the uh, the dark main event, the uh, the lights out match, and the final match of the night. Um, and I will say that I may have had Moxley called as the winner, but it wasn't the uh, the prison yard beating that I expected it to be. I didn't expect it to be close. It was close. There was actually a couple moments there. Like I was thinking about how you decided this. And I thought, oh, shit, maybe Kenny can actually win this match. Like, maybe that would right. be a cool thing to do. But the story they told was fucking just straight-up brutality, bro. 
This was a yep. vicious, hard to watch at times match. Definitely. Um, this was, to me, this is what Moxley, or if you want to get really behind the curtain here, what John Good, the actual name of the performer who performs as John Moxley, this is what he wanted to do in WWE. This is who he wanted to be. Because this is the CZW John Moxley all grown up as a man and not just this punk-ass kid still doing the death matches, still doing the ultra-violent shit with a wrestling bent to it and being able to just unleash absolute hell and the uh, beautiful violence that he spoke of. This was him finally getting to be what he wanted to be. I think I said it to you best. This was him killing the last little bits of the WWE version of Dean yep. Ambrose that he was. Washing that uh, little bit of the stink off, yeah. Um, and I got to say, I'm impressed that Kenny went. Kenny kept up with him. Um, you know, for all his other faults or for other you know glories, Omega has always been the wrestler's wrestler. You might get a table spot here or there, but he is the type that's you know most of his best work is done within the ropes. And I had my doubts that he was going to be able to keep pace, even after watching the uh, Janela match a couple weeks ago. That was so awesome. I didn't know if he was going to be able to hang with full CZW Moxley, and he sure as hell did. Man, I feel like we could sit here and literally highlight real back and forth all the different crazy spots. Right. Like, I mean, just some of the things off the top of my head that are smaller but still just equally as important. There was a lot of, like, raking with barbed wire in this match. The, uh... You had the barbed wire bat, um, a couple shots to Kenny's back, and that actually opened him up a little bit. Um, but it didn't really get hard to watch until Moxley came through the ropes with a dive, and uh, Omega hit him in the kind of caught him in the back of the head on the top of the neck with the broom, which was barbed wired as well. Yeah. And just opened him the fuck up. Um, Leading around his neck like crazy. He had like right, a which is the first time I think I've seen somebody neck. get the back of their neck cut open. Um, then you had him putting Moxley on the dirt and sweeping his back with it, which the crowd just freaked out over. Uh, the one that got me was, uh, I think it was Moxley. Or Omega grabbed a hold of him and Moxley raked the uh, bat across his bicep. Oh, that was that, the one that was killed like, me. Um, a couple weird spots in that match. Then you go, you move on to the there was table spots. There was the mouse trap table. You had a fucking screwdriver. There was the glass shards, which um, that love was a the crazy callback. spot for sure. Love the callback of. Uh, Using the glass shards from the from the coffee table that they went through um, on dynamite, yeah, right. That's a smart, really clever bit of you of a uh, of calling back. Um, I will say in the back of my head, the uh, the telecommunications major in me went, uh, the movie buff in me went, yeah, that glass is still gimmicked. Like out of everything, I know that barbed wire on the bats and the brooms was real. The glass didn't cut anybody really 
Correct. There's no way you take a slam no. onto the glass, which was brutal. Right. Theory, and not yes. come away just with shards right. in your fucking body. Right. I do love, actually, one of my favorite spots in the whole match uh, was, I can't remember how, what he had uh, Moxley, what hold it was. May have been a, a single leg crab or some kind of a, uh, no, it was the, uh, uh, the figure four. They reversed the pressure on the figure four, and Moxley had to crawl through the glass to get to the ropes. Yes, even without oh, the rope that was break. Awesome. The fucking it was a diehard spot. I've never in wrestling seen a fucking diehard spot. I love it. Um, Sign you the fuck up for more. I. Uh, they bring out the giant spider web. Of uh, of barbed wire. Holy shit. Yep. Uncomfortable um, amount of barbed wire, I think you said. Yes. <laughs> uh, and there's the moment where I think they tease the uh, the DDT into it. They tease the one-winged angel into it. They start linking. They hook up for the suplex. And I went, oh, shit, they're both going into it. Simultaneously, And sure enough, bro. there they went. Ugh. Here's the thing, and my question to you, again, not I mean, didn't affect the quality of the match one bit. It was an awesome spot. But could you tell that that barbed wire was gimmicked? The bats of the broom, not so much. That was real. There was no blood coming out of that barb out of that out of that nest. I don't know, man. I saw that there was. Let me tell you why I think that that might be inaccurate. And here's what my thought is: Go back and watch that again, and watch the people that are working around the barbed wire. There's a fucking dude who gouged himself, and you can see it in his eyes. He? he just stabbed the shit okay. out of his hand. All right. And he's realized it. He's like shocked. He's on the like where Kenny Omega's feet would have been pointing after they landed is where this guy kind of is towards that uh, that far edge. Yeah, and he kind of okay. he, he reaches in and it's like an oh shit, like ow. <laughs> that got me immediately moment. And it, you know, I I think those dudes were just so fucking sweaty. There was no blood staying be. on them, dude. It could be. That could very well be. And if you've been um, poked in the back a hundred times, you're not going to just keep bleeding from your back forever. Right. At some point, your back's going to be like, I don't need to send blood there because they're doing something <laughs> fucking stupid. That's true. Um, but they finally get him extricated from the uh, from the spider web. Then you get the uh, the big V trigger through the light board or the uh, the logo that Kenny uh, about killed himself on. Right. But, uh, you could kind of tell that the the covering that they went through was kind of meant to break away a little bit, but Kitty took a pretty bad landing coming through it. He he, the top uh, part didn't break, and he just took right. it to the dome. Right, like he took a bit of a bit of a rough spot, a rough uh, tumble with that. And then we get it dragged back out to the ring, and uh, Moxley goes full champa and starts cutting the uh, ring pad away. And now we're just down to bare boards. Harkening back to an old LAX match they had on Impact last year. Right, you and I year. talked about that, messaging back and forth. Um, which, you know, I mean, I I buy that. that. That ups the brutality factor a ton just to see the bare wood. And uh, I think uh, Omega gets off a DDT on Moxley, kicks out, which, you know, all right. But the spot of the match to me was Omega going up for that Phoenix Splash and just eating it. 
face plant, dude. Straight just up. absolutely face planted. Uh, and then Moxley capitalizes, goes for the, uh, the paradigm shift, Death Rider style, so the elevated version. Uh, straight down, almost a cross between a brain buster and a DDT. Straight into the pile of wood and gets the one, two, three. Hit the literal exclamation point on yes. Kenny Omega. Yes. And that's what you close the show on because you're not fucking topping that. Nope. But hell, just unbelievably brutal match. Um, I don't think anybody, even the people who predicted a brutal match, didn't quite see them going that far. I sure as hell didn't. But I've also been conditioned that WWE, you never see the barbed wire get used. Yeah, they're never so going to go to the quote-unquote extreme. Well, I figured I figured Moxley would. I figured that Moxley would be the one to get the barbed wire spots because he's done it. I didn't expect Kenny to go through it. I didn't expect that. I didn't think Kenny'd be able to hang, and by God, he proved me wrong. He hung just fine. Um, I will say the only complaint I had about the match was that it felt like it took a long time. It did take like a long it was, time. It was like thirty-five minutes, bro. Yeah, it was almost 40, and I don't mind a long match. Hell, I don't even mind the long hardcore match. Hell, the uh, the Gargano Champa like trilogy was all about that same span. that same span, but this one it felt like there was a couple times that it could have logically ended. Like the spiderweb spot could have ended the match easily. Totally, um, the light the light fixture spot could have ended the match very easily. Um, any of the stuff of the wood could have ended the match at any point. So it's not so much that I don't think they, I didn't enjoy them doing it. You could have gotten away with doing a couple of those and saving some more for later. Like saving a couple of TUs in a different match rather than throwing them all at the wall this time. And maybe the match would have moved along a little bit quicker and a little bit crisper. But pretty minor complaint on my part. I feel like this was... Uh, a reckoning for Kenny because I feel like he said consistently that they have a lot of his matches have been cut on time. Right. Uh, so he's not been able to kind of go full bore. He hasn't been able to give that best bout type. He did this time. Right. Uh, except for his number one fan didn't like it. I, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to kind of get on a little bit of a soapbox. I, I kind of alluded it to you. Ahead of time. Please, let's close yesterday. the show on your soapbox. I love that idea. I, I got to take a little bit to, to kind of vent some frustration here. And not just not just in wrestling. I, I mentioned this when you and I chatted about it. But to give a little background on it, I uh, was farting around on YouTube, kind of fell on a YouTube hole yesterday or a day before, and I found the clip of Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez uh, discussing – uh, not just full gear, but this specific match. And, you know, I'm curious. I like hearing them well enough. Alvarez makes me laugh half the time, so sure, I'll check it out. And the two of them both very, like, vehemently hated the match. Like, just trashed it. And not, not in the sense of, you know, saying it was a garbage thing or stupid, like the... Uh, Hell in a Cell pay-per-view a few weeks back, uh, which rightfully got trashed, but saying that it was 
kind of like what we mentioned earlier, that's garbage match. And Meltzer kept saying, you know, he is, Kenny and, and Moxley are so much better than this, and they don't need to do this shit, and they could have had a five-star match just, you know, wrestling, so why do they need to do all this crap? And this is just, this is stupid. And Alvarez going, you know, I'm glad that they got it out of Moxley's system, and I hope they never do it again. And I'm thinking to myself, like, why? Why why pigeonhole it? Why do you have to invalidate what well, was a fun match because it wasn't what you wanted? Like, I know Meltzer is respected for being kind of the voice of independent wrestling or the the king of the dirt sheets for as long as he has been, and he's a legend at what he does. And normally I respect the hell out of the guy. He's got a very definitive bias towards New Japan and will always have a definitive bias towards Japanese wrestling in general. And he has a boner for Omega. There's no two ways about it. But it struck me, as, and I mentioned it to you, it struck me the same way as uh, Scorsese uh, popping off about how the MCU is not real cinema. And one of the things that's always gotten under my skin, whether it be music, TV, wrestling, art, whatever, and I think I sent it to you in all caps, art is fucking subjective. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, not the eye of the fucking pundit. Word. Um, Like, just because something isn't high art does not invalidate it. You know, a good hardcore match, it's a fucking good hardcore match. A good, you know, uh, Cody story-heavy match, it's a good story-heavy match. I mean, we had that with Darby Allen. Um, I'm not going to say that Cody went out and had, you know, a five-star Omega Okada match, but I'm not expecting that of it. I'm just expecting something that's going to entertain me. I'm going to expect something that I enjoy. And maybe hardcore wrestling or death matches aren't for you. You know, speaking of Meltzer and Alvarez, maybe that's not for you. Typically, I'm not a death match guy myself. But I appreciate the ones that I think are warranted. And this, they built it up to be a death match. It was never not going to be. From the moment that you had uh, Omega bringing out the, uh, the barbed wire, and he was the first to introduce it. From the moment that you had that shown, that's what they're building towards. So why would you expect something different? And if you expect something different, why are you going to be really that pissed off or that dismissive when it's not what you specifically want? It's like you know, ordering Moxley, a cheeseburger exactly. but expecting chicken McNuggets. Well, like, if it's like going to McDonald's and getting the, a great burger at McDonald's and going, yeah, I've had a better burger at a restaurant, so this is shit. Or like... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's actually very... Like... This I, is a great McDonald's sandwich. Yeah, it's shit, man. I went to this fucking restaurant and I spent $55 on a burger right. once and it was amazing. Right. And again, like you look at Scorsese, it's like, why does why does something have to be considered cinema to be worthwhile to you. I mean, why... If somebody enjoys it, let them fucking enjoy it. Hell, look at music. I'm a Beatles fan. 
I believe that the Beatles are one of the my favorite bands of all time, and I think that they're hardly going to be topped by anything. Hell yeah. And by the same token, I think Nicki Minaj has the musical talent of a household sponge. But Amazing. if somebody likes her, I'm not going to say that's bad. You do you. Enjoy what you enjoy. Let people enjoy what people want to enjoy. You don't have to have, you know, the a fucking Oscar winner to be good. You can have an action movie that's good. You know, you don't have to have a 60-minute fucking, uh, a 60-minute, you know, near fall after near fall epic to be a good wrestling match. Sometimes you want popcorn. And it told a good story. So what the fuck else do you want? Be happy with it. I don't want anything else with it, man. I thought it was a great fucking match. Right. I was just in. That, that reading that or watching that video right after uh, all the Scorsese drama and all the other shit, I got into it with a buddy of mine over it. That just, it really got under my skin. So uh, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I appreciate that. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. We loved your TED Talk. Woo! It was great. <laughs> uh, I agree, though, man. I think, listen, I think every match is beholden to some sort of beauty. I think that there are things that the Young Bucks have done in their past that wouldn't be considered beautiful. I'm pretty sure there was a point where Matt Jackson had a boot with thumbtacks and kicked Candice LeRae in the face Oh yeah, so one fucking the, hard. One of the best visuals I've ever seen in pro wrestling. I think it's one of the coolest still shots I've ever seen. Just saying. And he talked about it in one of the wrestlers getting... Uh, Room service, I think it was with J- Joey Janela or Joey Ryan. Whoever was in that match with her, I think it was Joey Ryan. It would Ryan. have been Joey Ryan. They were uh, the world's cutest tag team together. Yeah, and uh, he's la- and Matt was like, listen, I I showed the boot. I couldn't biff on it. I had to give it to her as real as it could come. And so I kicked her as hard as I could. I kicked her to kill her, <laughs> essentially. You know what's funny uh, is they actually brought that up indirectly on uh, NXT not too long ago. Really? And they didn't specifically mention it, but they kind of alluded to it a little bit. Where uh, they were starting, I think they were talking about the War Games match coming up, maybe, or they were talking, they had something with Candace, and she says, I know I'm tougher than everybody else here. I'm like, damn right you are. <laughs> Hell yes. Uh, Definitely. But yeah, like, I, I thought the match was great. I, I Again, I thought the best match on the card was pocket page um if you want to be if you want to look for a five-star wrestling match or a you know even a four-star or something that's what i would have pointed to um that would have been your steak whereas the moxley match was your mcdonald's but i love me a good fucking burger so whatever (laughs) hell yeah i'm gonna have a burger after we get off this here podcast that's exactly what i'm doing my life there you go that's a real story uh I want to mention that we so we we correctly accurately agreed on the Cody match as well. We didn't say that, mm-hmm. but Cody losing, we agreed on that. Uh, and then on this match, I had actually Kenny Omega winning. You had Moxley. There's my one loss on the night. There yep. is your only having one loss on the card. And I think we both go seven and one on the full gear card. Sounds about right. Um, that's fucking crazy. I can't believe we did so well, so accurately. I mean, you even called the MJF turn. 
uh, again, I, I think I had it called, but I uh, I would have done it a little bit later on. But that's just me. So sure, I think well, they had a, they were in a great spot to do it. Overall, five stars. What do you give the card? Um, probably four. Damn um, right where I was gonna say, man. Four point two five was my pick. yeah yeah. I'd say four just because um, they've it was a it was exactly what they needed for their first pay per view that they built to from TV. You had you had stakes going into it. You had storylines going into it. You have storylines coming out of it that will lead into their next round. I think that's exactly what you needed to have. Um, I'm a little concerned that. Um, the hardcore again with the hardcore match being as long as it was and having so many spots as it did that they were going to have trouble topping that next time they want to try it out a lights out match. Um I think that the women's matches, their women's division still leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, so I think that still counts off a little bit for it, but you know, honestly, I don't think they could have had a better, really top to bottom car that they lined up with what they have. Um, that women's division will come with time. They just need to really establish people, and that's going to take some time. Um, point of fact, I was reading something a little while ago that, you know, it's kind of indicative of the where the independent scene is now, where they're where they're drawing their talent from. WWE has already swooped in and taken the biggest names in women's wrestling. 100%. And, I mean, to their credit, NXT's women's division is fucking fantastic right now. But uh, the independent wrestling scene has just kind of catching on to women's wrestling. Like, there are a few women's only promotions, but they they don't get the hype that a lot of other places do. Shimmer. Like your shimmer, your Shine, your Stardom, uh, Eve. Those kind of things, they're still kind of getting their their feet under them. Yeah, places like Evolve or places like Ring of Honor's Women of Honor division is still very, very fledgling. So what AEW is starting to pull from is that group of talent that's still kind of coming along in their own right. So I think that will come with time, and I think they're that's a, a very good thing that they have their relationship with uh, the Japanese side of it to help kind of prop them up a little bit in the time being. Um, so I think that women's division will come along over time. It's just not going to be right away. Um, I think that, honestly, I, I yeah, I without getting too long-winded into it that I already have, I think four stars is probably the way to go. Hell yeah, man. I think we can settle it as four-star first Full pay-per-view for AEW. Full gear was a great success. I thought they did fantabulastic. I don't think I really have anything else to add this week, man. Is there anything else you wanted to talk on before we get out of here? Are we ready to wrap this bad boy up? I did want to ask you one quick thing, actually. Something we haven't really touched on in the past uh, sure. with any of the episodes now. We've kind of, uh, this is the first time we've had an episode that we've had a, a logistical stopping point. Like, there's not really a whole lot going on. Like, this is the end of the AP, uh, AEW pay-per-view cycle. We haven't had more than a couple shows in between our last recording. So, not a whole lot of development. So, what are you looking forward to next? Whether it's WWE, AEW, what's uh, some storylines you're looking forward to seeing more of in, in wrestling? 
A couple things I want to see happen is, first of all, we're going to see people who are WWE talent or former WWE talent, you know, something to that effect. Uh, essentially, we are going to see them rise from the ashes and uh, show up on AEW programming. So, I think we have officially lost Buckles for the night. His phone must be dead. So, folks, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling. Season 4, Episode 4. I've been Nate. We'll get to Buckles next time. I'll see you folks later. <laughs>